Tech Night Owl Live, the show for PC users who can handle the truth. And now, here's your host, Gene Steinberg. This week on the Tech Night Owl Live, we'll focus on Apple's Worldwide Developers Conference and all the important software announcements. We'll hear from Kirk McElhern, the iTunes guy from Macworld, and Josh Centers, managing editor of Tidbits, all this and more on the Tech Night Owl Live. We have the iTunes guy, Kirk McElhern, joining us. And today there is so much to talk about with Apple that I'm almost amazed that every day we discover something new. Let me give an example. Ahead of Apple's Worldwide Developer Conference, there were some rumors that Apple would introduce new hardware. That did not happen. So some pundits said, well, Apple just introduced some new software. End of story. Now, traditionally in the last few years, when Apple introduces a new version of iOS and OS X, they tout over 200 new features. And sometimes we see that Apple's fudging it, maybe a new menu bar command or a slight alternative in the way you do something becomes a new feature. But now with iOS 8 and OS 10 Yosemite, it looks like you never run out of new features. The list is endless. What do you think, Kirk? Well, this was a really interesting keynote because to start with, there was a sort of Apple feel-good video and all that. But there wasn't the usual 15 minutes of Tim Cook going into retail stores, how many stores, how many customers, and all that sort of stuff. They had so much to cover in two hours that they didn't have time. As you say, they didn't talk about numbers very much. But I think the reason why is that the big features in iOS 8 and in in Yosemite are so big that they eclipse the idea of numbers. My thought after seeing that keynote is this is the Apple keynote that has contained more new stuff than any other keynote that I can remember since maybe the launch of the iPhone. It is endless. If you look at the feature set, and now every day in one of the columns I say, oh, here's some more features from iOS 8. Here's some more stuff from OS 10 Yosemite. Every day something new. Each feature can be fleshed out with two dozen other features that expand what it does. They could have talked about the smaller features, but they were right to talk about the big ones. The big ones are things like iCloud Drive, which is a total change to iCloud, Handoff, which lets you go from a Mac to an iPad to an iPhone. Extensibility, where iOS apps will be able to use bits of other iOS apps. I mean, these are major, major features that in many ways, I don't think people even realize how important they're going to be. Something like Handoff means that you're working on your iPad, you switch to your Mac and you work there. If you have a Kindle, you know what it's like. They have this thing they call WhisperSync and it syncs the location you're reading. And if you can do the same thing between an iOS device and a Mac, that's really impressive. The way that you can get phone calls now on your Mac, it blurs the lines between what each device does. And really, this is going to change the way we work with these things. If you're in front of your Mac and you get a phone call, which would you rather do? Answer it on your Mac, where you've got your hands free, or pick up your phone and hold it to your ear? It's obvious that this is going to just change the way you interact with your phone, at least when you're in front of your computer. Something like extensibility, which is going to allow different apps, it's not really clear how it's going to work, but they'll be able to offer features to other apps. That's just tremendous. I mean, that's something that, you know, we've seen it sort of in many ways on the Mac for a very long time, and we haven't seen it on iOS, but adding that to iOS is going to be a huge boon 
to all of us who want to use things like, I'm just thinking of text expander, for instance, if that can get rolled into other apps or, or one password or in the demos, they showed things like accessing, what was it, photo filters or graphic things in different apps. That's pretty monumental. So talking about the little features and numbering them was much less interesting than what they did. Besides, most people can't count that high. I think Apple could say, we have 400 new features, and they'd probably be conservative. Because as I said, every new capability from messages to the extensibility can be subdivided into 10, 20, 30, 40 new features. Yeah, but that's just for marketing stuff. They were smart to not focus too much on little features. And again, let's just pick a couple of other big ones. Family sharing. You know, as the iTunes guy, I get questions from iTunes users. And one of the biggest ones is, is there any way I can merge my account with that of my kids or whatever? This is something that you're going to be able to do now with family sharing. iCloud Drive, which I think Apple's trying to make iCloud into a platform, and it'll be the glue that connects iOS and OS X. If they do it right, iCloud Drive is something that's going to make a big difference. The health stuff, the new development language, it means nothing to us because we don't write code, but it means a huge amount to developers. It really, they introduced so many interesting things. As you say, there are lots of articles coming out saying, oh, and there's this feature and that feature and that feature. But most of them are tiny little things. If you look at the big picture, Apple really made the ground move with this. Now, you could do an event on almost every major feature. Let's talk about iCloud Drive. Because Apple is going after Dropbox, they're going after Microsoft OneDrive, they're going after Google Drive. They're offering something here where it is basically a central repository that can be really huge, up to a terabyte, though I don't have the pricing. Really huge repository for all your stuff online. Of course, the downside is if you're trying to do this while you're on your cellular connection, trying to move too many files, you might hit your data limit. Yeah. Remember that Apple is playing catch-up with iCloud Drive. I'm sure we've talked many times in the past about iCloud, MobileMe.Mac, whatever, how unreliable all these online services have been. iCloud was really poorly conceived in the way that documents were sort of siloed, so you could only access a document with the application that made it. What it looks like they're doing is combining two things, taking the iCloud that exists now and adding another space for you to put any kinds of files in it. So it's not a big technical difference. You can actually do that right now. You can access iCloud on your Mac. In fact, there was an article of mine on on Macworld that was just published the day that we're recording this about how to access iCloud documents on a Mac. So technically, it's not new, but the interface that they're providing is new, and the ability to access files from an iOS device is a big difference because currently you can only access them if it's the exact same app that created them, now you'll be able to get a file that's in iCloud and choose which app you want to open it with. Frankly, it's a minimum. It's the way things should have been before. So while what they're doing is very good compared to the before, it's basically what Dropbox has done forever. Now, if I were Drew Houston, the co-founder of Dropbox, I think I'd be really afraid of this because if you look at the pricing for Dropbox, it's much higher then iCloud Drive and Apple is saying, okay, it will work on a Windows PC with an iCloud app. It'll work on a Mac. It'll work on an iOS device. It won't work on Android, but all right, there you go. Suddenly, Apple has a built-in solution that not only locks you into their ecosystem, but embraces Windows. 
And yeah, that's a critical that, factor. That's one of the biggest features that not many people have commented on, that iCloud is going to be Windows, is going to have a Windows version, and that the Photos app is going to have a Windows version. Now, the Photos app is going to be tightly connected with iCloud because it'll be able to store all your stuff in the cloud. But that Apple spreading out to Windows on this is, is really interesting. Well, I see is Apple is working closer and closer with Microsoft. Microsoft produced Office for iPad long before there's an Office for Windows 8. And yeah, it's gotten and great Apple's- reviews. Also, if you notice, more and more use of Bing, Microsoft Appar- search engine, Bing, throughout Appar- Spotlight and as another option with Siri. Apparently, Bing is going to be the default search engine on Yosemite and not Google. It, you know, it's, isn't it interesting how things change? Because Microsoft used to be the em- enemy um, if we go back 10, 15 years ago. And now Google's the enemy. So Apple's switching their alliances, which certainly makes sense. But yeah, Microsoft, you remember the platform wars days? Everyone used to uh, pick on each other. And that's totally changed now. We have to change this before we go on. We've got Kirk McElhern. He's Macworld's iTunes guy. We're talking about iOS 8 and OS 10 Yosemite. More to come on the Tech Night Out Live. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at rockoids.com. That's rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Friends, this is Alex Jones for MidasResources.com. For more than 15 years, I have exclusively used Midas Resources for all my precious metal needs. Whether it's bullion or collectibles you're looking for, Midas Resources is simply the best. I own my gold as a hedge against inflation. This Federal Reserve fiat currency could go the way of the Deutschmark and the Weimar Republic any time. In these historically dangerous times, it makes sense to physically hold gold and silver. Midas already has some of the best deals in the industry. But if you give them a call and mention the radio special, they will give you a list of the day's super specials. Midas brokers are standing by to answer all your questions at 800-686-2237. They also have a lot of informative free literature explaining the opportunities and risk of holding precious metals. They are ready to answer your questions at 800-686-2237. Again, that's 800-686-2237. What good is a Big Berkey water filter? We get that question a lot here at BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. And in a word, the answer is protection. 
protection from water main breaks, E. coli contamination, environmental chemical spills, pesticide runoff, chlorine taste and smell, and all forms of fluoride. Plus, Big Berkey water filters are the original gravity water filter system and most trusted on the market for a reason. Tested by multiple independent NSF EPA certified labs, they are the gold standard in water purification. At only 1.7 cents a gallon, a single set of filters can last for 5 to 10 years. That means big savings. Big Berkey, the one that's powerful enough to purify stagnant pond water. Get a Big Berkey today at BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. GCN listeners receive 5% off all ceramic filter systems. Visit our website or call 1-877-99-BERKEY. That's 877-99-BERKEY. Big Berkey Water Filters, for the love of clean water. Americans have always been ready to defend, to serve, and to honor those who defended and are defending all of us. So this month, the freeze-dry guy honors and serves Americans with our meat, rice, and potato sale. Our unit includes four number 10 cans of quality Mountain House cooked diced beef, ground beef, diced chicken, white rice, and two cans of FDG dehydrated diced potatoes. 158 servings per case unit. And during the freeze-dry guy's meat, rice, and potato sale, get one case for only one 79, two cases for only $3.55, or get three cases for only $5.15, and all come with lots of valuable freebies. For details, click freezedryguy.com and hurry. Sale ends soon. Go to freezedryguy.com or call 866-404-3663. That's 866-404-FOOD. Plus, free shipping to the lower 48 states from the Freeze Dry Guy. The finest freeze-dried and dehydrated foods available anywhere for long-term storage. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, please send it to news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. If you'd like to discuss today's show with fellow night owls, visit our community forums at forum.technightowl.com. That's forum.technightowl.com. Now, Kirk McElhern, when I heard the rumors first about OS X Yosemite, as an older guy, I thought about Looney Tunes and a cartoon yep. character named Yosemite, Yosemite Sam. Yosemite Sam, yep. Okay, of course, the voice of Yosemite Sam is the late Mel Blanc. The voice of almost everyone on Looney Tunes is the late Mel Blanc. <laughs> Even the current ones, no. His son did some of the voicing after he died, and other people have taken over. But Mel Blanc, if you look him up on Google... Or Bing. Or Bing. Or Yahoo, which is powered by Bing. The guy was an amazing talent. Not just voices, where he could do any kind of voice. He was a good actor, a comic actor. I mean, just listen to the old radio shows where he was on there with Jack Benny. And this guy had incredible comic timing. And he even had, I think he was on TV a lot of times, too. But he's just like a little nerdy guy. With all this amazing talent, Mel Blanc. Anyway, let's get back to our discussion with Kirk McElhern. So we're looking at iCloud Drive. I'm saying here the Dropbox, well, you have to think here, they're in trouble now unless they bring their pricing down. But then, of course, Apple doesn't have to make a lot of profit from iCloud Drive. They could do it on a break-even basis. As long as they feed their data centers, it doesn't matter. It's not the full business. Another company that's going to have problems is Hightail, which used to be called You Send It. And here's why. With mail for OS X Yosemite Sam, I couldn't resist, 
you'll be able to send attachments up to five gigabytes in size using iCloud Drive as an intermediary. And if you don't have OS X mail on the other side, well, you'll get a link like you did with Hightail and you send it. You get a link yeah. to download the file. Now, you have to think here. What Apple's doing here is killing a lot of the Hightail business. Why do we need that? Well, here's the reason. You say you want to send a big file to somebody. It could be an audio file, a movie file, whatever, lots of documents. You'll notice that most email systems restrict it to, what, 15, 20 megabytes at most. Ours is 50. So if you want to send something longer, what do you do? Well, you then have to use some third-party file repository, or maybe you have a website and you could post it online for someone to download, that kind of thing. It's awkward. Here, well, Apple or you handle- use Dropbox, which makes it very easy to or, share files. Sure, that's the other option. You have to subscribe to Dropbox, which is another way of killing Dropbox. But the key here being, now Apple has made it part of its standard email on the Mac with Yosemite. As I said, if you're not using OS X mail for Yosemite, you get a direct link. You don't have to look for the Dropbox. It's not clear whether you actually have to have enough storage in your iCloud drive for the size of these attachments. Let's say you've just got the minimum five gigabytes in iCloud and you've used a couple of gigabytes and you want to send a five gigabyte attachment. Will Apple say you don't have enough storage or will they accept it just because it's an attachment? That's something that remains to be seen. As far as the pricing is concerned, that's something that I find a little bit Apple's being cheapskates with iCloud pricing. While the high-end prices are very good, the low-end still isn't. You still only get five gigs with an account. A lot of people keep complaining about how if you have multiple iOS devices and you want to back them up, five gigs isn't a lot, that maybe you should get five gigs per device. What they're doing is they're giving you five gigs for free. They'll give you 20 gigs for a dollar a month, so that's $12 a year, and they'll give you 200 gigs for $4 a month, that's $48 a year. Now, that's twice what Dropbox offers. Dropbox is 100 gigs for $50. I can imagine that Dropbox is going to lower their price to match Apple. But, you know, I've been using Dropbox for years now, and it's extremely reliable. And I've been using every one of Apple's online services since, the, since back to iTools, and they're extremely unreliable. And I'm not sure I want to commit too much to iCloud because... I'm sure you've seen, you, you may create a document with a, an app and it goes to iCloud and it disappears sometimes, or it doesn't sync, or it takes a while to sync, or some of the data gets messed up. It's, iCloud just isn't reliable. Well, the point being here is I assume that in light of these expansions of iCloud to iCloud Drive, they're going to do things to make it more reliable. They absolutely have to. They've said that every time they've changed their online service. and. What they've often done is change the name to make you to forget how bad the previous one was. Now, here's the other issue, too. Right now, we don't have the new prices on display for iCloud Drive. We just know what they said at the event. We know two prices, the the, the 20 gig and the 200 gig. All right, we know two prices. We don't know that what the prices would be for a terabyte, which is what will be offered. We also don't know whether Apple might consider upping the minimum from 5 gigs to 10 which I think would be a good compromise. Well, what they showed on the screen at the keynote was that five gigs will be free. I understand that, but things can maybe, change. Maybe by the fall, they'll change it. I'm kind of expecting they got themselves locked into a position here with the mail attachments. It doesn't yeah. make sense 
to have you send five gigabyte mail attachments if that's all the space you have. Unless the attachment doesn't count against your storage space, which that's is possible. Not, that's not specified. And then yeah. how many attachments can you send? How long do they exist there? Do they exist yeah. forever? Do they exist until downloaded? Do they vanish in seven days? How long does the attachment remain yeah. in iCloud? Or yeah, is it over when it's retrieved? Does the act of retrieving the file kill it? Which might be a problem because what happens if the retrieval is interrupted? Somebody wants to get the file again. They deleted it by mistake. We need to see what happens. I kind of think there ought to be a brief period, a few days or something, where the file remains available. But then again, we hit up against the maximum. The point being here, if Apple can give you reliability, and as Kirk says, we don't know, if they can give you reliability, this is going to be really important, offering all that much space, but also offering it in a way that finally iOS has an accessible file system. But I also see one reason why you put it in the cloud – your iOS device has limited storage space. Yeah, and that's one of the big new features in iCloud Drive that we've seen. Just to, to, to veer slightly off to the side about the iCloud thing, there was a mention of the enterprise market during the keynote, and I kind of see the whole iCloud Drive thing as being geared toward the enterprise as well as toward individuals. As you say, for sending large file attachments, it's businesses that often use things like you send it saying that they're going to be prices up to a terabyte, which is already suggesting something for the enterprise market. Not that many users really need a terabyte of storage for anything. So it'll be interesting to see, first of all, if they do have enterprise pricing. And second, something that we don't know yet is, will it have shared folders, which Dropbox does? Now, shared folders mean that you put something in the folder and anyone you share it with can access it. And this is an extraordinary tool when you're collaborating with people. I use this on many, many projects There's two reasons to use it. One is professionally, so for the enterprise market. But the other is also for friends who just want to set up a shared folder to share photos and files and, you know, maybe music and stuff like that. You would expect that this is going to be part of iCloud Drive. They haven't said anything about it um, because it is a feature on, I guess, most of the other cloud services. But if it is, it would be something that could suggest a sort of iCloud Drive for the enterprise as well as for you and me. We're talking about sharing here. We have Kirk McElhern joining us. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. A little right, a little left, but always independent-minded. The Genesis Communications Network, GCN. So here's what happened. I was placing an order online. The site went down. It took hours before it returned, but I had already placed the order with another company. If your site goes down, you could lose business. And if you have a business or personal site, you'll want to know it's easy to run and it will stay online. At iWeb, your site is hosted on one of the most reliable networks in the world. Talk to a sales rep at iWeb.com. Use the promo code TECHNIGHTOWL for a special discount. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. 
This alert just came in. This special announcement is for business owners and leaders of organizations who've been waiting for the right time to build. General Steel has made it impossible to wait any longer with rock-bottom prices that could save you thousands. That's right, General Steel, America's leader in pre-engineered structures, is offering buildings at prices you will never see again. Don't miss these prices. A 50 by 100 for $35,000. You heard right, that's 5,000 square feet for $35,000. Manufacturers, if you need a larger building, try a 100 by 100 commercial building for $129,000. You can't afford to rent with these prices. Imagine a 70 by 100 foot church building for under $69,000. With the economy improving and interest rates still at historic lows, you can't afford to wait. So call 866-91-STEEL. Lock in your price now. Call 866-91-STEEL. That's 866-917-8335. We all know that Berkey Water Purification Systems are the most trusted name in water filtration. As an authorized Berkey dealer for over six years and serving thousands of satisfied customers, the Berkey Guy offers amazing specials for Berkey Water Filtration Systems. The Berkey Light Systems include a set of self-sterilizing and recleanable black purification elements that purify water by removing chlorine, pathogenic bacteria, cysts and parasites to non-detectable levels and remove harmful chemicals such as herbicides and pesticides. Order the Berkey Light System today, complete with two Black Berkey elements for only $231, and the Berkey Guy will ship your order free of charge. With the purchase of a Berkey Light, the Berkey Guy is also offering a set of fluoride and arsenic filters for only $39.99. That's over 30% off the retail price. Call the Berkey Guy at 1 886 3653. That's 1 886 3653. Or order online at goberkey.com. That's goberkey.com today. Springtime is save big time at Herbal Healer Academy. Long-term customers know spring is the time to stock up at HerbalHealer.com. And for new customers, welcome to the web's best place to save on vitamins, minerals, and more. Log on for spring specials, including our 500 parts per million colloidal silver, all sizes on sale. Choose from Herbal Healer's great variety of weight loss products like apple cider vinegar, Hootia and Metabolic Complex, and ProMetabolic, all on sale now. Also, the Anti-Parasite Intestinal Freedom and Warwood Plus Complex, plus Stevia Liquid Sweetener and the Super Enzymes, all on sale for spring at HerbalHealer.com. As always, we offer certificate correspondence courses in natural medicine. Enjoy same-day shipping and free online newsletter. Log on now to HerbalHealer.com and click on Spring Specials to save big with our nation's leader in supplying quality natural medicine and education since 1988, Herbal Healer Academy. Live with Gene Steinberg, it's the Tech Night Owl. Because you never know what's going to happen next. This is the Tech Night Out Live, focusing on OS X Mavericks, iOS 8. And as you see, we're just focusing on iCloud Drive, where not all the questions are answered. And I guess the one concern Kirk was mentioning is sharing. Can people outside of your group, outside of your family, how do they share access to your files? How does that work? Do you just set privileges and they can subscribe to it? I don't know. I assume Apple has to address this particularly for the enterprise. I kind of expect they will. But the one thing that I see about this is Apple 
is focusing very heavily, number one, on support for the enterprise, number two, on seamless switching from Mac to iPad to iPhone with continuity and handoff, and also by opening up all these APIs for iOS developers to be able to reach into other apps and talk to them. And one particular area of importance is keyboards. Now, we're used to the normal keyboard, and Apple has an enhanced predictability rating where it will predict full words as you continue typing and kind of learn your patterns to ease this the process. You also have, on the Android platform, it's popular, the swipe keyboard, which I've never really used or tried, where you're basically swiping rather than tapping words, right? Yeah, I, I've tried it, and I can't get used to it. But you, you do read my mind because that was the web page I've got open for the next thing that I wanted to talk about, about iOS 8. We'll get into that for a moment. But first, Apple has finally opened up the API for third-party keyboards. third-party keyboards as well. Right. But you see, the way it works now, you can install something, but you have to copy-paste or something. But right. with Android, if you don't like Google's keyboard, you just replace it. Now you can take anybody's keyboard in the App Store and all the major companies that already have Android keyboards will go in there and put in their stuff, you'll be able to install a totally different keyboard. You'll have Swipe, you'll have SwiftKey, which is kind of advanced predictive text, kind of what Apple's doing. And then you'll have another keyboard option, which I've never gotten into either. But I think Kirk will explain what it's about. Yeah, I want to see a Dvorak keyboard. Uh, Dvorak, spelled D-V-O-R-A-K. Um, it's a keyboard layout that was invented by a guy named Dvorak. And what it does is he looked at the keyboard that we use, the QWERTY keyboard that we use on typewriters, or used to use on typewriters, and he realized that typewriters weren't efficient. The letters were laid out in what's pretty much a random way. And he set it up so, for instance, the home row, that's the middle row, You've got all your vowels on the left side, and you've got your most com commonly used consonants on the right side. So for most of the letters you type, your fingers will be in that middle row, and you won't have to reach. I started using a Dvorak keyboard when I became a freelancer in 1996, and I've never gone back. And I'm very used to it. I touch type. I touch type on an Apple keyboard, so the keys I see when I look at the keyboard aren't the, the letters that come out when I press them, but I don't need to know that. Now, when I work on iOS... I'm looking at a keyboard where the keys are in different places. While I couldn't touch type on iOS, it would make it a lot easier for me if the keys were where they are on the Dvorak keyboard. I would be able to touch more quickly. I'm just looking at the keyboard illustration on your site and yeah. wondering how or if I could get used to it. I presume there are a number of physical keyboards with Dvorak, but I'm thinking here about iOS where it would be easier because it's just a virtual keyboard and you can swap out the lettering. But I'm looking at this thing and I'm saying, could I get used to this? And I think at my advanced age, probably not. Probably wouldn't want to. But the standard keyboard, I think it was invented at a time where you didn't want people to type too fast because the original typewriters couldn't keep up with you. The keys, since they come, they, they go forward, they would hit each other and get stuck if you type too quickly. So people can type 100 words a minute on a, a typewriter keyboard but not with the, the old kind where the keys sort of shoot up from, how, how do you describe it? You know, the ones you see in old movies, or if you've ever had an old the portable keyboard. They fly up from... Fly up and hit the paper. They strike the, the paper, 
It's almost right. like an impact printer. If you remember the impact printers from the yep. 1980s, and some dry cleaners still use impact printers, where literally speaking, it's striking, each character is striking the paper. Well, one of the typewriter innovations that allowed people to type faster was the IBM Selectric, which oh. has all this on a ball. Right, a little and ball of type that would fly in the air and <laughs> would jump around and enter the exact character. And then the nice thing about the IBM Selectric keyboard is with physical keys, a separate key, metallic key for each letter, after use they bend and they get distorted yeah. and the physical characters would tend to misalign, you know, like maybe your A would be below the G or something like that. The right. base of the G. You know, you get that kind of thing. With an IBM Selectric, it either worked or it didn't. The only problem you'd see is when the thing wasn't working right, the letters would tend to fade in the corners. But once everything was working right, the placement of each character was near perfect. I had an IBM Selectric in the 1970s. I kept it until the 1980s. I have no idea what happened to it. Yeah, it was an interesting device. They were, they were huge. I mean, I remember them in offices. I never owned one. Uh, at the time, they were these very big devices, but the, you people, I, I remember secretaries who could type blazingly fast on them. And the thing is, IBM sold them directly. They also gave you incredible plans for you to pay them out. And the credit yeah. requirements were almost non-existent. You say, send me the IBM Selectric, and you pick what you want. You pick the extra typefaces you want. You buy the extra ribbons for it. And they'd send it to you for, what, $20 a month or something like that. I forget the exact figure. Maybe they cost $500 or $600 for a basic IBM Selectric, which in today's dollars would be like $1,200 or something or $1,500. They, they, were the price of, of, they were basically the price of a computer now. Exactly. The, the, a similar value um, of what a computer costs now. Right. The point being here is they made it easy for anyone to get one. And I had one, and as I said, I kept the thing for like 15, 20 years. It worked beautifully with minimal maintenance. All right, so anyway, Dvorak. Now, obviously, we're going to see somebody with a Dvorak keyboard for iOS 8. I, I certainly hope. I'm expecting that. I think that. we're going to see all kinds of keyboards. We're um, going to see keyboards. Flexi has announced. We're going to see all kinds of keyboards. Flexi has announced that they're going to release an iOS keyboard. Um, there are all sorts of other alternative keyboards that work in different ways that have different keyboard layouts. And I think this is an exciting time. You know, none of those things have ever made it because you need a physical keyboard on a computer. But with something like an iOS device, it's entirely possible that these things may get a bit of foothold. Now, one of the criticisms being made by Apple's critics, possibly the same ones who said that Apple didn't have anything new because there was no hardware. And that is security. Suddenly, Apple is allowing apps in iOS 8 to talk to one another, access to a file system through iCloud Drive, being able to install widgets into your notification screens, third-party widgets, all this stuff going on, opening up the sandboxing in different ways. Now, I assume Apple understands this because it's taken them seven years from the first iPhone to come up with a way for apps to talk to one another. I assume, therefore, security is going to be pretty tight. I, I would think so. But just an aside, did you, like me, immediately think OpenDoc when they announced this? Tell our listeners about OpenDoc. I was a beta oh, tester oh. for OpenDoc, and I assume Kirk was as well. No, but I did use it. OpenDoc 
was it System 7 or 7.5 or 7.6 that it came out? Um, OpenDoc was a system where you could actually sort of, how do you describe it? You could insert objects into a document from another document. So let's say you've made a spreadsheet in Excel. You could insert it into a Word document. I don't, I don't remember if Word and Excel used it, but other apps did. Well, part of, it also, part of it also was that instead of having monolithic apps that are doing all sorts of different things, you had mini apps. So you can can basically assemble a group of tools from all these mini apps, the word processor, the spreadsheet, the browser, whatever, and come up with a whole system of modules that perform different functions. We'll get into more. That's the word, modules, yeah. Kirk McElhern joins us. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Independently leading the way for the nation. Compelling talk for every political persuasion. We are GCN. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that too in Graphic Converter. Also print catalogs. Convert from so many formats i can't even list them download now to see if graphic converter is good for you like one and a half million other users guess what you could save money when you buy graphic converter use the coupon code night owl use the coupon code night owl to get a special price for graphic converter go to lemkesoft.com that's l-e-m-k-e soft.com lemkesoft.com l-e-m-k-e soft.com Got a simple question for you. Can you sell? Yes? Okay. Can you sell the intangible? If yes, and you'd like to work 9 to 5, Monday through Friday, with no overtime, no weekends, if you're passionate about not closing sales, but about opening relationships, if you truly have a desire to serve global clients who need your advertising expertise, and you're local to the Twin Cities and Burnsville, are hardworking, self-driven, with experience in sales, marketing, or advertising, are personable and a whiz on the phone, GCN wants to talk with you right now. GCN, the Genesis Communications Network, is one of the largest largest independent talk radio networks in the world and we're hiring right now we offer benefits and an excellent commission structure experience preferred but we'll train the right person is that you submit your resume today to advertise at gcnlive.com again that's advertise at gcnlive.com come work with the genesis communications network an equal opportunity employer At 30dayfoodsupply.com, you can now purchase a -a one-of-a-kind product not available anywhere else. A meatless burger dry mix in four delicious flavors. With our new Oregon Trail Foods vegan burgers, all you do is add water and fry. They need no refrigeration. They're packaged in Mylar bags with an oxygen absorber for a long shelf life. They're non-GMO. They're gluten, soy, nut, and chemical-free, but they're loaded with flavor. And a good source of carbs and protein, yet low in sodium. Flavors include Italian, spicy Mexican, 
Mexican, six vegetable, and black bean olive. Go to 30dayfoodsupply.com or call 541-229-0010 and order today. Eat them every day, take them camping, or save them for an emergency. Check them out at 30dayfoodsupply.com and click on the vegan burger icon. That's 30dayfoodsupply.com where all of our products are produced in Oregon by Oregon Trail Foods, 30dayfoodsupply.com. You're fired. According to the Small Business Administration, 75% of small businesses plan to eliminate jobs or reduce workers' hours to part-time. You're You're fired. fired. According to Gallup, the unemployment rate recently jumped to nearly 9%, and the underemployment rate hit a staggering 17.9%. You're fired. One out of three young adults and one out of two recent college graduates are underemployed. Hello, I'm Keith Abel, a pharmacist and a home business entrepreneur. In 2011, I became one of those statistics myself. Instead of looking for another job in corporate America, I joined Dr. Joel Wallet, the Dead Doctors Don't Lie guy. We're creating steady incomes for ourselves and would like to show you how to do the same. If you want to supplement your current income, replace your income, so you don't have to become one of the statistics, then give me a call toll-free at 866-257-3105. 866-257-3105. You're fired. Don't wait till you hear those words. Start creating an extra income today. 866-257-3105. You know what's going to happen next? Well, here's the Tech Night Owl, live with Gene Steinberg. So with these modules, these little bits and pieces, you can assemble something which is almost like having your personal customized app. And each right. one was limited purpose, limited feature set. And that's kind of what iOS is now, that you have a lot of these very slim apps that perform limited functions. And so to get the equivalent of one app, you might have to get several. But here with iOS, an app developer can offer little insertable features for another app. Yeah, an app is going to be able to offer service uh, as opposed to an entire app. So some of the examples were, I don't know, printing services or photo touch-up things like that. It'll be able to offer part of what it does or maybe all of what it does, depending on whether it's limited or not, and provide it in a way that you can access, access it from other apps. Now, we don't know exactly how this is going to work. We saw some examples of things on the share button, um, on the share dialog, but we're not sure how it works it entirely. You, you did mention the security issues. I'm sure that this is going to be tightly sandboxed and They did say something to the effect that the sandbox is going to apply for each one. And it sounds more like the sandbox, each one is sandboxed and an app doesn't get access to the other app sandbox, but it only gets to send and receive things from it. That's how I understood it. So each bit is still going to be sandboxed and it's just a communication between two apps or an app and a plugin or an extension or whatever it's going to be called. I assume also that performance under iOS has become so fast that the handovers are instantaneous. I think one of the things people might have expressed concern about is the multitasking on the iPad. There were hopes to have side-by-side apps or documents. That wasn't announced. Some people say it may appear. I don't know. What do you think? It's one of the things, you know, there are all these rumors. and Unfortunately, tech sites, since there's not a lot of big news, they keep passing these rumors on. And 
you know, one of the big things we've seen in the past few months is, is all these tech sites showing mock-ups of what the iPhone 6 might look like or what the, the iPad with multitasking might look like. These are just people sitting around in front of their computers thinking what they would like. They have no, no connection to reality. So any rumor of a two-app display, uh, you know, a, a split window on an iPad is nothing more than the desire of a bunch of people. I have no idea whether that would become reality or not. From a practical standpoint, it would be a good thing, especially on the iPad, because right now Apple is offering more desktop computer features like the sidebar in Safari for iOS 8. So it stands to reason that they must realize people are going to be doing more productive things on their iPads and therefore want a way to handle multiple documents and multiple apps without having to double tap and switch to another app or document. When you're using an iPhone, the home button is very easy to access with your thumb and double tap. But when you're using an iPad, it's not. If they're not going to offer a multiple app display, I would like a better way to switch apps because it's just not easy when you're using an iPad. But I don't use an iPad like that generally. The only time I really do it is when I need to log into a website and I do it through Safari and I need a password. So I have to open one password. So I switch to one password, enter my master password, get the password and come back. But I, I don't have the need for that. Now, I, I don't produce with my iPad. I produce with my computer. I work at home. So I don't really have that problem. Now, if, of course, you're using Office for iPad, it's no. tailor-made for that kind of feature. And I think Apple would want to do it, especially now Apple has this growing relationship with Microsoft. But you have to understand, Apple and Microsoft have always been competitors and collaborators for years, from the day they signed that agreement, Steve Jobs and Bill Gates. Well, it goes way back. Excel was made for the Mac before it was made for, for DOS. Um, it's one of the things that made Microsoft into a player, was the fact that they were making apps like Excel. And now Microsoft realizes their future depends on being open and working with other platforms. In fact, there's more recognition of open source in Microsoft. Before open source was the enemy, now it's not quite the enemy. But what this means here is that they benefit because, what, as of a couple of weeks ago, 27 million people had downloaded Office for iPad. I don't know how many subscriptions for Office 365 Microsoft got out of it. I expect considerable. The point being that to Microsoft, Apple is a cash cow. Yeah. And working with Apple, not. if they can collaborate with Apple, cool. Yeah. No, it's true that things have changed there. But Google, you see how Apple is slowly moving Google out of the picture. Obviously, yeah. Spotlight uses Bing. Siri uses Bing. Obviously, you're going to have, and you still have those three options in Safari for Bing, Yahoo, and Google. And you're saying it's probably going to be the default? What is Google still that, going to be the default? I've, that's what I've heard that... Um, you know, I'm going to be very honest. I have the Yosemite beta and I've installed it and I just didn't even look yet to see what the default search engine is. Can you um, do it right now? Very, well, I can't. Well, you know, the Apple's changed their NDA, so we actually are allowed to talk about anything that they've presented. Unfortunately, I've installed it on an external hard disk with my MacBook Pro. It's extremely slow and it takes several minutes to launch. So since I don't have it on now, I can't check. But next time I'm on the show. All right. Maybe you'll send us a message or post a comment in our forums about it so we know. The point being, when you search in Safari, though, 
It's also going to deliver spotlight results in addition to Google. So Apple is pushing Google out of the picture in a lot of different ways. Yeah, Spotlight is getting more internet savvy. Um, Spotlight today has a couple of options at the bottom of the the Spotlight search results, Um, search on the web, search Wikipedia. And now those things are going to be up front in, in the new Spotlight. I kind of like what Spotlight looks like, but I I got I Spotlight was good after I was it Tiger that saw Spotlight initially. After the first iteration of Spotlight, they removed what was called the Spotlight window, which was a window that lets you drill down and choose locations and folders and file types, and it was a lot easier to find things. When they removed that, Spotlight got a bit hard to use, and I don't use it very much. Uh, anymore. So I think it's good that Apple is finally doing something. It's been years since they've updated Spotlight. I hope Spotlight becomes much more valuable in terms of searching for files and all that, which over the years has just gotten more and more difficult. It kind of goes back to the days of Sherlock. Yeah. Remember Sherlock, where you could search the internet and also search locally. You, You could search local, you could search the internet, and so, some of our readers who are long-term Mac users will remember the use of Sherlock as a verb because, and, and now I don't remember which app Sherlock copied, but Apple basically copied the idea of Sherlock from a third-party app and came out and released it and killed that third-party app. So, Speaking of which, a lot of the things that Apple is doing with iOS 8 and OS 10 Yosemite, they're basically raining on the parade of a number of third-party developers. They are, and they've copied a lot of stuff from Android for, for iOS. Yeah, Apple cop- has copied a lot of things from third-party apps. They've also copied a lot from Android. Um, we were talking about predictive typing. That's part of the default Android keyboard. Uh, widgets uh, is something that Android has that works a little bit differently. So you know, Apple's always doing this. They, don't, they invent a lot of stuff, but they copy and improve a lot of other stuff. I didn't hear any specific third-party apps that were totally Sherlock, though. Did you, at least on OS X? Well, I think, to a slight extent, I, Dropbox is going to be Sherlocked a little bit because of this. Okay. But there's a list of different things. Like, for example, was it SwiftKey? Yeah. That's being Sherlocked because SwiftKey will be available for iOS 8, but Apple's version will be sufficient. Or it may be that... Because Apple's new QuickType has the predictive functions, people will perceive it as being the same as the other keyboard. Well, it might not. And so what's interesting about the predictive text is it doesn't only predict words, but it predicts words based on what you type. And and I don't think the Android keyboards do that. However, the swiping keyboards and other types, there's plenty of room for innovative keyboards now that that's open to third parties. So I wouldn't say that anyone's necessarily Sherlocked yet. They just may have to improve what they have to match Apple's predictive typing. Exactly. And you understand, Apple has always done this. They always have, and Microsoft has done it, and Android's done it. You know, all these lawsuits between Apple and Android, um, a lot of them are chicken and egg things. Maybe one of them came out with the idea of swiping to delete before the other, but the other one came out with the idea of um, notification center, right? The way you swipe down on an iOS device. I think that was Android first. Let me give you a list here. I got a list of apps that are potentially impacted, and I will mention them beginning on our next segment. We have Kirk McElhern. 
He's Macworld's iTunes guy. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Great minds think alike. The network for the independent-minded. The Genesis Communications Network. GCN. Henry Ford once said, a man who stops advertising to save money is like a man who stops a clock to save time. Alex Castle here, the National Account Executive at GCN. I have the ability to customize a national radio campaign based on your budget while targeting your demographic. Contact me to find out how national radio can help your business be more profitable at 877-996-4327, extension 177. That's 877-996-4327, extension 177, and help me help you bring your business to the next level. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. Don't complain about your cable bill going up and up and up. Do something about it. Grab a pencil and jot down this special number. 1-855-905-MY-TV. The more cable TV rates go up, the better digital satellite TV looks. Say goodbye to the cable guy. And get more of your favorite channels in 100% digital quality for less money. Call 1-855-905-MY-TV. Sign up for packages starting as low as $19.99 and there's no equipment to buy. You get free HD TV upgrade, a free DVR upgrade, and free professional and installation you control what you watch when you watch it record your favorite shows pause and rewind live tv even skip the commercials watch local channels too at just 19.99 what are you waiting for pull out your major credit or debit card call 1-855-905-MY-TV 1-855-905-MY-TV say goodbye to the cable guy cut costs and get more 1-855-905-MY-TV 1-855-905-MY-TV Welcome back to the Tech Night Owl Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. Kirk McElhern is joining us. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl Live. So, of course, when we mention being Sherlocked, it's that Apple's Sherlock search utility killed something called Watson. Watson, a, that's right. A third-party utility. Yep. So what happens here is that it looks like Apple is going to be raining on the parade of other app developers. Like, for example, the new messages for iOS. Supposedly, Apple's getting to the territory of Snapchat we have WhatsApp, which Facebook bought for $19 billion. And now Apple is incorporating that functionality, adding look the what audio doing. messages and video and all that sort of stuff you can do. Yeah. Exactly. They're, they're not Sherlocking WhatsApp because is there a WhatsApp for iOS? I guess there is. Sorry. Yes. I've just never paid attention to that. So, yeah, I guess they are Sherlocking it. But you see, here's the danger. Anytime you have a feature in an app or an app that basically enhances a core function of the operating system in some way, provides an alternative function to that, is related to it, 
there's a danger that the platform developer will get back, expand their own feature set so that the third party becomes less relevant. Yeah, and unless they've patented something, it's not free for anyone to take what's done, but as long as there's no patent, I don't know that you can really limit people doing the same sort of stuff. And also, how you do it is where infringement counts. Yeah. So you could do things, you can offer a totally different method of, in the end, accomplishing the same goal. And if you're smart and you have good lawyers, you never step on the potential for infringing a patent, which unfortunately, Samsung is not that smart. Yeah. uh, I'm looking at the list that you're looking at here. And so the second thing, or the third thing is, hey, Siri. Um, because on a, an Android phone, you can talk to Google now by saying, okay, Google. But did Google invent that? Do you remember with um, voice commands on the Mac way back when, the default thing you would say computer to get the, the Mac to recognize you? I think Google just copied Apple there. I would agree with you. Remember, Apple did a lot of things in the 90s, a lot of innovative technologies that went absolutely nowhere. They were too far ahead of the curve. I remember buying a microphone to be able to use that feature. It didn't work very well, but it, w- it had a thing. You would set the word that you wanted to use to make it wake up and pay attention, and the default was computer. Um, so, hey, Siri, instead of, okay, Google, doesn't seem like that, that Apple's copied Google. It's quite the contrary. Really fascinating what Apple's done here. And, of course, we can go on for quite a bit of time to talk about all the new stuff in Yosemite, all the new stuff in iOS 8. Now, when the WWDC keynote was on and the initial announcement about Yosemite came on, I heard from a friend who is a longtime Mac user, but she is the sort of person that when things go wrong, she kind of overthinks the question. She tries too hard to solve the simple problems. So she read the Apple press release, and then, well, she kind of overreacted. This friend writes back, yuck, it's going to make my Mac work like an iPad. And I wrote back to her and said, all the things you do on your Mac now, you'll still be able to do in the same way. It's enhanced features and new interface. Live with it. Got no response. I didn't say it that way, but that's the essence of what I said. If you look at it, yes, we see that the look of OS X is different in terms of using different typefaces, transparency, all that stuff. But by and large, the fundamentals of the Mac are not changed. What they did was add features, add enhancements, add more ways of doing things. Yeah, and and a lot of the stuff, as we've been talking, is under the hood, the, the sort of handoff continuity, all these kinds of things. I... You know, you remember when iOS 7, the first beta from iOS 7 came out, and we were looking at it and thinking these icons are ugly, the colors are ugly, and Apple made some changes, and they've refined it, and they've gotten it a lot better. I kind of have the same feeling about looking at Yosemite. It doesn't look like it's professionally designed. Um, The blue for the Finder folders is just a very painful blue. The translucency is just a gadget and is actually more of a hindrance than a help when you're working on a computer. I wonder also if there's going to be a system preferences setting to reduce that effect. There is in the accessibility preferences. You can turn it off. Um, So I think we're going to see some changes. Uh, What I find interesting is there are far more new features, and I'm doing air quotes around features, 
in Yosemite than there were in Mavericks. And it's not just the, the change in the interface. It's a lot of these under the hood features that we're going to see. Um, I'm actually a lot more excited about Yosemite than I was about Mavericks. Mavericks for me was just another incremental step um, along the path that we'd seen in, in OS X. Uh, I'm, we've talked in the past about the iOSification of OS X. And while you can say that the design is leaning toward iOS, and that's what your friend was talking about, the usage isn't changing very much at all. Um, as you were saying, you're going to do the same things as before. It's going to look a little different. But I like the way that things are melding to sort of come to a common ground between the two. My, my takeaway from the keynote is this. If you remember, they were talking about numbers. Was it 800 million iOS devices and 90 million Macs? Was, were those the numbers? It's 800 million iOS devices, 200 million, million iPads, a, 200 million iPads, 100 million iPod touches, 500 million iPhones, very rough, 80 million Macs. 80 and, million Macs. And you say, so, that doesn't sound like a lot. 80 million, that's a record. Okay, but hold on. There, that's 80 million users. That's not 80 million sales. So you've got 10 times as many iOS users. My takeaway from this keynote is that what they're doing is making an iOS, is they're making an OS 10 for iOS users. They're providing iOS users with more reasons to buy Macs, to buoy up the Mac side of the platform. And I think that they are laying the foundation for the next 10 years of the company with this. And you know, with this, they're not going to do what Microsoft wants to do, which is have a total convergence device that does all things but not so well, the refrigerator and the toaster oven. It's not going to be like the Surface 3, which says, hi, I'm a tablet. Hi, I'm a laptop. Hi, I have no idea what I am. Yeah, I'm two devices in one, yeah. Apple clearly understands that these are separate devices. You use them differently. But what they're doing is they're making it, they're trying to make, your life seamless across these devices. And that's pretty darn smart. Um, you know, one thing that you may not have seen, um, I spotted this on Mac Rumors. I haven't downloaded Xcode 6 yet, but in Xcode 6, you can choose something like um, variable screen size for the iPhone and the iPad. Right. And it strongly suggests that there will be different sized iPhones and iPads, confirming a lot of those rumors which have been backed up by case templates and things like that. What they're doing is putting the language in the app to scale up appropriately or scale right. down depending on the size of the screen. And that's right. what they have to do. They also have something here called shared frameworks, which means you can develop certain levels of code that are available in OS X iOS. So if you develop apps for both platforms, yeah. you share a lot. They've also got something here which interests me. I'm not a programmer. I don't play one on TV. I learned a little bit of BASIC 4,000 years ago, okay? So I know something about it. Now, I understand here that a lot of programming is not done like in Objective-C and all this stuff, Xcode, high-level languages. It's done by scripting. So you make automator actions for the Mac. If you're doing websites, you might develop something in PHP, which is a development language where you build all these scripts like WordPress, the number one blogging platform on the planet, it's developed in a language called PHP, which is kind of a scripting language. Well, Apple has something now, which I gather is a 
simplified way to code for OS X iOS, Coco, Coco Touch, called Swift. And Swift supposedly simplifies all the drudgery in writing an app. Let's talk about that in a moment. Kirk McElhern joins us. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's The Coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors. Find out more at rockoids.com. That's rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Mike Stennerson for Midas Resources. At no time in history have precious metals been more important, certainly not in my 22 years in the industry. The dollar has lost over 90% of its value in the last 60 years. No fiat currency has ever survived the government printing presses. Ours is not immune. The time is now to be proactive. 1-800-686-2237, extension 116. Anything tied to the dollar is at risk. CDs, annuities, 401ks, IRAs, stocks, bonds, you name it, so decide. Do you want to leave a legacy of wealth or debt for your family? The choice is yours. Call me at 1-800-686-2237, extension 116. That's 1-800-686-2237, extension 116. Be proactive, not reactive. Call 1-800-686-2237, extension 116. Don't complain about your cable bill going up and up and up. Do something about it. Grab a pencil and jot down this special number. 1-855-905-MY-TV. The more cable TV rates go up, the better digital satellite TV looks. Say goodbye to the cable guy. And get more of your favorite channels in 100% digital quality for less money. Call 1-855-905-MY-TV. Sign up for packages starting as low as $19.99 and there's no equipment to buy. You get free HD TV upgrade, a free DVR upgrade, and free professional installation. You control what you watch when you watch it. Record your favorite shows, pause and rewind live TV, even skip the commercials. Watch local channels too. At just $19.99, what are you waiting for? Pull out your major credit or debit card. Call 1-855-905-MY-TV. 1-855-905-MY-TV. Say goodbye to the cable guy. Cut costs and get more. 1-855-905-MY-TV. 1-855-905-MY-TV. The human body is extraordinary. Despite all the stresses we inflict upon it, it still works hard to stay in balance. Thousands upon thousands of people rely upon heart and body extract to help their body stay balanced. This excellent 100% natural herbal formula helps maintain healthy blood pressure levels, cleans arteries, promotes good circulation, balances cholesterol, and more. HB extract paired with healthy lifestyle choices like good nutrition and exercise can give you a life free of pain, sickness, and fear. Recapture your youthful vitality and experience your body 
body healing itself with the aid of HB Extract. It's extremely effective and it starts working in just days. Visit HBExtract.com to learn more and to read scores of testimonials from satisfied customers. And we've never increased our price in over 10 years. That makes heart and body extract as great a value now as it was the first day we sold it. A healthy heart is a happy heart. Call 866-295-5305 or go to HBExtract.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have any thoughts or comments about the Tech Night Owl Live, please get in touch at news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. Looking for past episodes? We've got hundreds at technightowl.com slash radio. That's technightowl.com slash radio. Or subscribe on iTunes. So in addition to having its standard programming tools, Apple surprised everyone with Swift, which I gather is a way to build your apps faster with cleaner coding. And I guess by making it easier for developers, you bring in more people who don't want to learn all the ins and outs of a high-level programming language. This is somewhat simpler and supposedly more reliable and very fast. What's your take on Swift? Yeah, like you, I'm not a developer. Um, Back in the day, I used HyperCard. I can handle some basic Apple scripts, but that's about it. What I'm reading is that developers are really excited that it's easier to use faster. It'll make developing faster. It'll make debugging faster because there's much less code. Beyond that, I wouldn't, I have absolutely no idea what any of that stuff means. It's based on Objective C. It sounds like it's a higher level language than Objective C. In other words, you write things in Swift and you've got more going on in Objective-C underneath. But other than that, absolutely no idea. Supposedly here, like I said, it puts a front end that's easier to use, easier to adapt to, makes writing apps fast, but more to the point. It means that people who have great ideas and want to learn how to program are going to find that task easier, which of course brings more people into the development community If you make it easier to debug the app so you don't have problems, it means apps become more reliable, less problems for people. You know, one of the important things about a company like Apple, about Google with Android, and about Microsoft with Windows Phone is lock-in. Once you've committed yourself to a platform, let's say you bought an iPhone and it cost whatever it cost, and you bought a few hundred dollars worth of apps, you're very unlikely to want to switch platforms. So each of these companies has in their interest the importance of making their platform as attractive as possible, and not only through the devices, but through the apps that are sold for their platform. So if Apple can get more developers to make more apps and better apps, there are going to be more people wanting to buy iPhones and and iPads because of the apps and not even so much because of the devices. You'll always get some people who are buying the devices for the hardware, but you'll get a lot of people who are buying them because there are certain apps available on one platform and not another. The the extreme end of this is the video game uh, console thing where there are exclusive apps to different platforms, and that can actually get people to lean towards, say, a PlayStation or an Xbox. It's not as big a deal on a mobile platform, but it's going to become a bigger deal as smartphones become the norm. And Apple has added new capabilities called SpriteKit, of course, SceneKit, 
and supposedly improved game controller support, they're basically saying to game developers that we're going to make your games more immersive, more powerful. And ultimately, if I was a company building a gaming console, I'd be scared to death. Yeah, the demo that they showed of that 3D rendering of, was it 3,500 butterflies, was actually extremely impressive. I'm not convinced that an iPad is going to replace a gaming console. However, if you use AirPlay mirroring on that iPad and send it to your Apple TV, that could replace the gaming console. And of course, that makes one think about, oh, the Apple TV, well, that could be a good gaming platform. And this isn't, they didn't talk at all about the Apple TV. I don't think it's the right time. But, you know, think about that for the future. An Apple TV sort of turbocharged with better processor and, and particularly um, better video, that could be a big competitor to things like the Xbox and the PlayStation. Oh, obviously you see the handwriting on the wall. Also, you see the handwriting on the wall for wearables in the health kit. Health kit, of yeah. course, is a way for different apps from different healthcare providers, including Mayo Clinic, by the way. And I know about Mayo Clinic because my brother-in-law, Stephen, is going there for his cancer treatments. They are working with Apple to have their apps work on iOS. And what this means, of course, and they promise all security, you'll be able to put all the information from different hardware that could maybe hook up to your iPad or your iPhone to take your medical readings, have it all integrated in a single app. So all the doctors that you're working with, the nurses, the practitioners, can, in a moment's notice, check your condition, see what's going on. And I see where this thing works out greatly. And I was talking about this in terms of the paperless revolution with one of the VPs of marketing, Ryan Rosenberg at FileMaker, a couple of weeks back, where right now, you go to a doctor. Okay, you fill out all the information. The doctor looks at it fine. But now you go for some tests at a hospital, a surgical center, or something like that. I had a colonoscopy a few weeks back. Every person I talked to asked me the same questions yeah. about my health, the medications I'm taking, everything else. But if they had all that on their iPad, and they took their iPad on their rounds, they simply tap your name. Here's Gene Steinberg. Here's Kurt McElhern. We're using the health app to see a full picture of your condition. It's reading everything. All the test instruments that are hooked up to your body, they're going to look at your electrocardiogram, your blood pressure. They get all the readings. It's all available there. And what this means is by having it in one place, when they do something, there are fewer mistakes. It's more difficult to prescribe the wrong medication. Yeah. I, I think we're still a few years away from this becoming what you're talking about. But that's Apple's goal also then to extend that into a wearable like the iWatch. Some people are saying that this is step one towards building the apps that will eventually appear in the iWatch. The main point of wearables now is that they're fitness-related devices. I call them fitness motivators because their accuracy isn't great. But if you use them, if you use them the way they're supposed to be used they do motivate you to do more steps or get more Nike plus fuel or whatever it is. So health is part of that. But the iWatch, if the mythical iWatch ever exists, it'll do more. It'll have notifications. It'll do have controls and things like that. But I agree that as far as we see wearables, wearables today, they are fitness related, which is health related. And it's true that this is the first step. Um, in fact, Apple shows it on their website. They show a Nike plus screen on the app. So they're showing not only about 
the health side, but also the fitness side. They're showing how the, the two are going to work together. But I think to get it where it could be, there's a huge hurdle. I recall an article in the New York Times a few weeks ago about why insurance companies don't want to go paperless is that it costs too much money for them. And I think there has to be a real revolution for the insurance companies to find this worthwhile. Otherwise, they're not going to spend the money to set up the computers to do this. And I think that's what Apple's trying to do, make your health care more integrated, more seamless, fewer errors, lower costs, less duplication. You don't have to take duplicate tests all the time. Each doctor says, let me do my own test. No, I'll consult the test. I'll get the results. Kirk McElhern, yeah, and- I have to wrap it. Kirk McElhern. I know there's a lot more to talk about, but this will pursue it in future discussions. So tell our listeners where they can find more of the stuff that you do. You can go to my website, Kirkville, that's McElhern.com, M-C-E-L-H-E-A-R-N.com. And you can find me over at Macworld, where I've been writing a lot lately about iTunes and iCloud and got a couple of other interesting articles coming up in the very near future. Kirk McElhern, thanks for joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. Thanks for having me again, Gene. Not just an alternative to the mainstream media. We're the premier independent talk radio network. We are GCN. Neighbors, are you tired of dealing with a slow web hosting provider? Well, check out A2 Hosting and their screaming fast Swift server platform. They even have SSDs that load pages 300% faster than the competition. Ready to give your site a speed boost? Well, tell you what, neighbors, head on over to a2hosting.com. That's A2, that's number two, a2hosting.com. Check out their Prime Hosting account. And get this, neighbors, they're even giving you an exclusive 25% off discount for all our listeners. 25%. And remember, their Guru Crew support team is standing by 24-7, 365 days a year to answer any of your questions. Now, to get the discount, use the coupon code GENE when you check out. If you need to say happy birthday, happy anniversary, thank you, or simply I'm thinking of you, ProFlowers.com is the key. ProFlowers has stunning bouquets, like the best-selling 100 blooms for $19.99. Plus, ProFlowers will include a glass vase for free. Sending someone a wonderful surprise of beautiful flowers sent fresh from the field is easy. Choose the bouquet you like, pick the delivery date, and each order is 100% guaranteed. Plus, all bouquets from ProFlowers are guaranteed to last at least seven full days. Beautiful, fragrant flowers picked fresh and sent to your loved one for lasting enjoyment. To get this incredible savings and send someone 100 gorgeous blooms with a free vase for $19.99, go to proflowers.com, click the blue microphone in the top right corner, and enter code PLOW. That's proflowers.com. Click the mic and enter code P-L-O-W. I will never forget the day my son Jeremy told me he hated me and slammed the door in my face. I'm behavioral therapist Janet Lehman. Behavior problems can turn the child you love and your life into a nightmare. 
That's why my husband James and I created the Total Transformation, the step-by-step program that shows you how to fix the worst behavior problems and get your child to respect and listen to you again. No matter what the behavior, defiance, backtalk, angry outbursts, disrespect, we can help you stop it. Now you can get the Total Transformation for free. All you need to do is get the program and let us know how it works for you. You can keep it forever for free. Limited number of free programs available. Call now. 1-888-912-1595. 1-888-912-1595. That's 1-888-912-1595. 1-888-912-1595. There are many things the human body can do very well, but maintaining the proper pH level isn't always one of them. That's where AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops can make a world of difference. AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops helps your body do what's natural. Just a few drops a day helps rid your body of harmful waste and acid while promoting health and restoring vibrance and energy. Alkalizing boosts your immune system and can help fight headaches, irritability, cramping, and insomnia. Alkalizing also helps the body fight depression and even bone loss. To learn more, more about the importance of alkalizing and how you can find life-changing and vital balance, please visit AlkaVision's brand new website at AlkaVision.com. Same great products, but now easier to use and more informative than ever before. To get your very own plasma pH drops for just $29.95, call 800-518-7615 or visit AlkaVision.com. That's A-L-K-A-Vision.com. Alkalize your body and supercharge your health at the new AlkaVision.com. What's going to happen next? You never know when you're listening to the Tech Night Owl live with Gene Steinberg. Josh Centers is the managing editor of Tidbits at tidbits.com. Therefore, he works with Adam and Tanya Inkst. Of course, we're going to focus on the big news this week. Even if you're not an Apple fan... You could hardly miss the Worldwide Developers Conference in the keynote. It was heavily laden with software. No hardware announcements. There were rumors of an iMac update, MacBook Pro, etc. It didn't happen. All about the software. So we have a comment in the world of Apple called being Sherlocked. And we mentioned what that was in the previous segment with Kirk McElhern, that Apple produces a feature or an app or something that sort of replaces somebody else's app. So let's talk about Dropbox, which is very popular. It's a very popular way for you to place your files and share them with other people. I know some time back I needed some artwork for a new logo for one of my sites, and the artist put it in my Dropbox. So Josh Centers, is Apple trying to Sherlock Dropbox with the new features in iCloud Drive. I'm not sure if it's so much sharelocking as much as trying to break away from Dropbox because Dropbox has almost become sort of the de facto file system of iOS in lieu of Apple providing one itself. And so for a few years now, Apple's been in this dangerous situation where iOS is very much dependent on Dropbox. And if it had been purchased by Microsoft or a competitor, then um, that could have put iOS itself in jeopardy. Think about all the apps you use that depend on Dropbox for syncing or for file storage. I think with all the improvements to iCloud, uh, Apple has uh, kind of kind of skirted past that a bit, hopefully. 
What I wonder here, though, is would it have worked better for Apple to buy Dropbox and just integrate it with their iCloud system? Well, they tried, and Dropbox wouldn't sell, at least uh, when Steve Jobs was in charge. And Jobs famously replied to the CEO of Dropbox that it's a feature, not a product. So I think Apple on Monday showed that it is indeed a feature and not a product. Of course, this doesn't mean that there's no use for Dropbox. Understand here we're talking about OS X, we're talking about iOS, and we're talking about support for Windows. But what about sharing your files with other people who are not, say, in the Apple or Microsoft ecosystem, say Android users? Yep. Those are, those are things that remain to be seen. And one of the questions that we have at Tidbits is, is the, the sharing features that iCloud Drive is going to have. Like, we don't know if you'll be able to share a folder with another user or a file with another user easily. We know about MailDrop, which is a way of sharing um, I, you know, documents that you store in iCloud with other users, but uh, regardless of platform, but we don't yet know, you know, sharing wise, you know, what sort of capabilities iCloud Drive will have. And, and you do bring up a good point. And something I, you know, I tweeted about the other day is that iCloud Drive is going to be available for um, Yosemite, the, the new OS 10, and it's going to be available for Windows. But, you know, if you're still running Snow Leopard, which a surprising amount of people are, you're not going to be able to use it. If you're still on Lion or Mountain Lion or even uh, Mavericks, you won't be able to use it. Although, you know, of course, Yosemite will be a free upgrade, but not everyone will necessarily be able to upgrade to that or even will want to upgrade to it. So um, th- these are all things we'll, we'll have to wait and see. It's, it's sort of a, it's, it's that social aspect that's uncertain at this point, right? We're not 100% certain that Apple won't make it work with older versions of OS X. They're kind of going to be forced into it, otherwise they really limit things. Yeah, that, that remains to be seen. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they limited it to iOS 8 and Yosemite, um, you know, for a number of different reasons. But um, I, I don't know, they could open it up. I mean, I, I would like to have access to it now because when um, they release Yosemite, um, I'd like to do a clean install and it'd be really handy if I could just you know, move all of my locally stored documents to, to iCloud Drive and just, uh, and just uh, you know, reinstall OS X, wipe the hard drive, and have everything there, right? But um, uh, I can say from what I've seen of iCloud Drive so far that it's, it's still pretty rough, and there's, there's things developers are going to have to do to clean it up themselves. Like, for instance, a lot of, a lot of uh, the information stored in iCloud, the folders are named with like random numbers and letters and, and all these sorts of procedurally generated things that aren't human readable. So it's, it's going to take some cleanup on the part of developers to make iCloud Drive uh, really usable for end users. But it's not going to be a generic backup source. We're talking about files and folders, not system files, not your mm-hmm. apps. Except, of course, I guess for the apps that you buy from Apple. So the point being here is you can't use this like you use, say, CrashPlan or Mosey Backup or any of those systems where you have a general purpose online backup system. This is files, folders, period. Yeah, but uh, presumably you'll be able to say like, you know, store your um, doc, your documents folder in iCloud Drive, um, and you'll be able to open the access those from the new um, on iOS eight from the new iCloud file picker. So, um, 
Yeah, you know, in terms of implementation, uh, a lot has to be seen. I I am running the beta of iOS eight, but um, I, I haven't yet installed the beta for Yosemite. So um, a lot of the questions about what they're implementing, you know, all depends on a developer support, third party developer support, and b um, you know, seeing how these things work together because so many of the features they announced were for both platforms and work across um, both of Apple's platforms. Okay, so in addition, of course, to iCloud Drive, we have the de-emphasis of Google Search. So, for example, you have Bing in Spotlight, and I gather, assuming that this is accurate, assuming that this perception is accurate here, when you go to Safari in iOS or in Yosemite, you do a search, it will also deliver spotlight results, which use Bing. Mm-hmm. So that, one, de-emphasizes use of Google. Second, they're going to have yet another search engine to choose from. Right now you have Google, Yahoo, powered by Bing, and Bing. You'll have DuckDuckGo, yes. which is a search engine that doesn't track you. And you, yeah. there are ways to install it now, especially for Safari. Yeah, well, it's it hasn't been easy to use in iOS. There's a DuckDuckDuckGo has a Safari plugin that I use that um, sort of hijacks the the built-in Google option with DuckDuckGo. But on um, Safari for iOS, um, of course, that's not um, well. In iOS seven, isn't possible to do. So um, they they do have a actually a pretty nice app, but. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm pretty excited about that because I'm a fan of DuckDuckGo for search, and I've been they just come out with a new version uh, that's redesigned that I, I like quite a bit. It's very um, Apple esque, and uh, you know has a lot of the same features as Google now, such as the the image integration and uh, the quick results from Wikipedia and all those things. So so I, I'm super excited. That was one of the the big features I've been hoping for, and um, actually John Gruber of Daring Fireball told me on Twitter that it would never happen because DuckDuckGo uh, doesn't uh, have the money to didn't have the money to give Apple to uh, you know to get a paid spot in iOS, but. Either they got the money or, or Apple changed its tune um, because all the NSA uh, leaks and the sudden desire for privacy. But either way, I'm I'm super happy to have DuckDuckGo. And um, I'm less excited about Bing being integrated into Spotlight. Um, you know, it's it's probably fine for, um, you know, small stuff. But I, I've tried using Bing, and it, to me it's just, it's just not a very good search engine, even compared to, you know, DuckDuckGo, which is um, a much smaller company. Um the, the results in general just, just aren't great. But I am excited to see um, these new things in Spotlight, um, like the uh, like the information retrieval and, and the Wikipedia entries and, and, the, and, and those sorts of things. And it, it, seems to, it seems like the new Spotlight um, has a lot of the same capabilities as Siri on iOS, and, and so that's interesting. So maybe they'll, they'll open up the possibility of Siri in the future. Let's do a break here, and we'll continue. Okay. Josh Centers from Tidbits joining us. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Free from the shackles of corporate America, we're the place for independent thinkers. GCN. 
Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that too in Graphic Converter. Also print catalogs. Convert from so many formats I can't even list them. Download now to see if Graphic Converter is good for you, like one and a half million other users. Guess what? You could save money when you buy Graphic Converter. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL to get a special price for Graphic Converter. Go to LemkeSoft.com. That's L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. LemkeSoft.com. L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. What good is a Big Berkey water filter? We get that question a lot here at BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. And in a word, the answer is protection. Protection from water main breaks, E. coli contamination, environmental chemical spills, pesticide runoff, chlorine taste and smell, and all forms of fluoride. Plus, Big Berkey water filters are the original gravity water filter system and most trusted on the market for a reason. Tested by multiple independent NSF EPA certified labs, they are the gold standard in water purification. At only 1.7 cents a gallon, a single set of filters can last for 5 to 10 years. That means big savings. Big Berkey, the one that's powerful enough to purify stagnant pond water. Get a Big Berkey today at BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. GCN listeners receive 5% off all ceramic filter systems. Visit our website or call 1-877-99-BERKEY. That's 877-99-BERKEY. Big Berkey Water Filters, for the love of clean water. We live in a complicated society. Stressful issues are always popping up. Have you ever been treated unfairly by someone? Have you ever been overcharged for a repair? Have you ever signed a contract or a document worried about identity theft? How many times have you been in those unique situations where you just wanted to call an attorney to find out if you're right or wrong or what your legal rights are? But every time you think about calling an attorney, what do you think about first? That's right. Who do you call and how much will it cost? Our friends at Legal Shield have found a solution. With a nationwide network of 6,900 attorneys who average 19 years of experience, Legal Shield's law firms take over 40,000 calls per week helping their members. For less than $20 per month, you can have access to Legal Shield on everything from the trivial to the traumatic. Let Legal Shield stand up for your rights at lsprotection.com. That's lsprotection.com. Or call 855-340-SAVE. 855-340-7283. Results will vary from case to case. A little over a year ago, I began to do a lot of research into why, even though I had a pretty good-sized meal, that I was still starving. And my research led me to a well-known fact that most of the soils that we grow our crops on here in the United States and across the industrialized world are almost completely depleted of almost all of the key minerals and trace elements that our bodies need to rebuild themselves, fight off cancer, and be healthy. I then searched out the best vitamin and mineral company out there and discovered Longevity. The Longevity products are designed to give you the real nutrition you need, and once you've got that, you don't have to eat as much to be satisfied. I've lost 37 pounds in two months simply getting the vitamins and minerals I need. Check it out for yourself. It's incredible. Go to InfoWarsTeam.com today and order your first canister of Beyond Tangy Tangerine Complete Multivitamin Mineral Complex Dietary Supplement. That's
That's InfoWarsTeam.com. You never know what's going to happen next while listening to the Tech Night Isle live with Gene Steinberg. With Josh Sanders of Tidbits and Take Control Books, I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live right now. And by the way, Josh writes about Apple TV. Of course, we heard no announcements about Apple TV at WWDC. In any case, going back to DuckDuckGo, it's a small company. Couldn't Apple just buy the thing? They could. Um, and I'm sure they have plenty of money to do it. Why they don't, I don't know. I you know, I'm sure. I'm sure somebody at Apple high up has considered getting into the search engine business. But at the same time, they run the same risk as they did when they moved away from Google Maps and and all the criticism they received over that. So, so maybe they're a bit gun shy to break away from Google completely just yet. But I wouldn't rule it out. And and really, after after they purchased Beats and after they opened up all this extensibility stuff in iOS, it, Apple's kind of hard to predict now. That they they did a bunch of things that. I don't think anyone was expecting, and, and people never thought they would do. So, you know, who knows? Uh, anything could happen now. Well, let's look at the Android factor here. Of course, some people go to Android not because they necessarily perceive it as a better-looking OS or more reliable, but there are other, other features that they want to take advantage of. So you have the ability to add third-party keyboards and have them replace the standard system keyboard. Now Apple has opened things up so developers can do that. So if you don't like the keyboard that Apple provides. And we know, for example, that Kirk McElhern is a fan of Dvorak keyboards. So there will be obviously one offered. If you like swiping, you have the swipe keyboard where you swipe instead of tap. That will take over the system. That's one thing. The ability to insert widgets into your notification, things that open up the ability of one app to talk to another app under iOS. These are things that people talk about with Android, and now Apple has said, you know what, we're doing that stuff. You don't need to go to Android. Of course, they haven't said that, but that's the implication. Yeah, they, they, they borrowed a lot of features from Android, didn't they? Like Even the um, the notification actions, that's that's an Android feature. So that that's exciting. And to me, it felt a lot, a lot of the keynote felt like Apple come, you know, was saying that they've been wrong about a lot of things. You know, and uh, I've heard some people criticize them for, for borrowing these features, but you know, I, I think it's going to be great. I mean, my first smartphone was an Android phone, and there, there's still features I miss um, from Android and iOS. Uh, particularly, you know, I've missed uh, the ability to share um, like a web page to any app I want, and uh, so I'm I'm very glad that's finally coming to iOS because um, you know certain applications like you know, for instance, Evernote, you know. On Android, it's very easy to hit, you know, hit the share button and send to Evernote, but that's been a real pain to try to do in um, iOS because you'd have to set up a uh, a really hacky JavaScript uh, bookmarklet, or you'd have to um, you know copy and paste stuff, which is equally clumsy and awkward. So, yeah, I, I think these new features are going to change the way people use iOS. Well, certainly, people coming from Android are going to see this as ways where they could kind of match the experience in different ways. And that's Apple is not above borrowing features from other places, but they always do it with their own unique methods. So it's not as if Google comes to Apple and says, you stole our intellectual property. 
Yeah, well, and frankly, and maybe this is just the fanboy in me talking, but I, I think Apple implements uh, implements them a lot better. You know, I, I love the way they're doing widgets. Um, the Android widgets, to me, always felt like glorified app launch buttons because most of the time that's what they do. They might show you a little bit more information, but usually you, you just have to click on them to, you know, open the app and get the full experience anyway. So, you know, I like the I like the notification center widgets. I think those are going to be pretty cool. I like the, uh, you know, I, I like the way they're doing keyboards. Like, um, you, you know, what the annoying thing, um, the annoying thing with uh, the third party keyboards in Android is that you, you have to open the notification center to switch between them, and it and sometimes they tend to switch around on their own. Um, I'm hoping the experience in iOS is going to be a lot smoother. Um, I'm hoping uh, they're going to have better privacy controls because. Um, some of these third-party keyboards are kind of worrying. For instance, SwiftKey, which is a very popular keyboard in Android, sends all of your – everything you type goes to their server, right? And then they use um, stuff – and they even analyze your Twitter and your Facebook accounts to figure out the words you type the most, which which is cool in a way, but it's also very creepy, especially since it's a free product. So presumably they're scanning this stuff for you know who knows what. But I'm also really excited about all the, th- all the things we're going to see from these third-party keyboards because there are so many OS, iOS utilities um, for text manipulation, for writing Markdown, for um, you know things like Text Expander, and um, we've seen like editorial and you know all this cool. So like text editing in iOS has become, become a lot more interesting, and I'm very excited for that. Well, anything that adds features is certainly going to be fascinating. Apple has always advertised in recent years, well, 200 new features. And it always seems as if they're stretching the envelope to get those 200 features. Well, you have an additional menu bar command in this app. And now it looks like, well, you could say 300 new features or more. It seems there are so many in iOS 8 and OS 10 Mavericks. It's become extraordinary. Yeah, well, the the really exciting stuff, you know, of course, I'm excited for Yosemite and the new look and everything, and uh, a lot of these, um, you know, convergence features are really cool. But the the most exciting thing is all the stuff, the new stuff they're providing for developers. And so the kind of apps we're going to see over the next year are going to be something else. And it's it's hard to predict what we're going to see because it's going to take developers a while to um, get the hang of these new APIs and all these new capabilities and really wrap their heads around them and figure out how to exploit them to their fullest. But I think, you know, in a year or two, we're going to look back at, you know, before iOS 8 and wondered, you know, how we got anything done. Well, the thing, of course, I see that might be somewhat disappointing is the fact that you don't have the ability to run apps side by side on the iPad. People were hoping for that. That's a key feature that Android offers, even on smartphones where it's ridiculous. But they offer this feature, which is very useful now that there are more productivity apps for iOS, like Office for the iPad. Mm-hmm. Well, um, you, you know, we've only seen half of the iOS 8 story, right? Um, uh, I think the other, the other shoe is going to drop when we see the new iPhone, the new iPad. You know, um, it may just be that the current iPad screen is too small to do side-by-side apps. Or, you know, maybe it's something they're going to save for the new iPad Air. You, you know, Apple always has things like that that they, they could probably implement in software, but they choose to tie to... Um, a hardware revision. So, you know, we'll, we'll see. It may be very simple that they didn't have the feature perfected sufficiently to show it off. 
So why SG2? show something off that they can't do well? Because other companies are notorious for showing new features and they don't work. That rarely happens with Apple. It's happened, but not that often. I mean, watching the keynote, everything they showed looked very smooth, very polished. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, look how long it took them to implement copy and paste. And, you know, even a lot of the features they had here were, you know, exist in Android for a while and in retrospect were kind of obvious. But, um, yeah, it takes them a while to perfect things. But, uh, you know, also I think, I think Tim Cook's really starting to come into his own as the CEO of Apple. And so, you know, we're, we're seeing a new Apple here. We're seeing a, a company that's uh, more open, um, that's friendlier to developers, that's, um, you know, more cognizant of user choice. And um, so we should see a lot of interesting things uh, coming up. But at the same time, it seems like they're still committed to um, that same level, that same quality of design that they've always been. So um, it, it's very exciting. I, you know, it, it's a, it was a great keynote. Now, iOS 7 was really criticized for interface roughness. From what you've seen of iOS 8, have they smoothed that out? Yeah, for, from what I've seen so far, it's about the same. But, I mean, I, you know, I was pretty happy with iOS 7, um, at least, you know, at least 7.1, um, where they, you know, they, they smooth things out a bit. The, the one thing that still annoys me um, that I don't think they fixed in iOS 8 directly is the, uh, the shift key. That, sh- that shift key, uh, I, I still can't figure it out. I can't figure out when it's engaged and not engaged. Um, but, you know, hey, you can use third-party keyboards now, right? So, um, that, you know, there will be ways to fix that. But, um, no, um, but, no, if you didn't like iOS 7, iOS 8 looks about the same. So, um, you know, I, I want to get my hopes up for some design change. One thing Apple's emphasizing here is that They've made iOS 8 a better business partner, and they talk about the things they've added for companies who are using iOS. And Apple has a tremendous presentation and presence for businesses. So this is fascinating. We'll get into more of this in a moment with Josh Centers of Tidbits. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Nation's largest independently owned and operated talk radio network, the Genesis Communications Network, GCN. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you'd like to listen to GCN programs on the go, I have great news. GCN has created a Droid and iPhone application, and it's free. Just as easy as going to GCNlive.com, click on the banner, and download. Before you know it, you'll be listening to your favorite hard-hitting GCN shows, live or on demand, right on your Droid or iPhone, 24-7 and on the go. So download the Droid and iPhone app free by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Thanks again for listening to GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. We the people grow cotton, weave fabric, engrave ink, embed strips and fibers to protect from counterfeit, and carting to a private bank, having it lent back at interest, forcing taxes to service debt. This capitalism, or was Jefferson correct when stating a central bank issuing the public currency is a greater menace to the liberties of the people than a standing army? Ted Anderson, I'm placing a free silver dollar in a book that explains our monetary system. Call for your copy, 800-686-2237. It's time to understand the system. Call 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. 
I will never forget the day my son Jeremy told me he hated me and slammed the door in my face. I'm behavioral therapist Janet Lehman. Behavior problems can turn the child you love and your life into a nightmare. That's why my husband James and I created the Total Transformation, the step-by-step program that shows you how to fix the worst behavior problems and get your child to respect and listen to you again. No matter what the behavior, defiance, backtalk, angry outbursts, disrespect, we can help you stop it. Now you can get the Total Transformation for free. All you need to do is get the program and let us know how it works for you. You can keep it forever for free. Limited number of free programs available. Call now. 1-888-912-1595. 1-888-912-1595. That's 1-888-912-1595. 1-888-912-1595. Welcome back to the Tech Night Out Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. This is the Tech Night Out Live. Josh Centers joins us. Apple's Worldwide Developer Conference was still in progress when we did this show, but the keynote is history and so many announcements, such as the fact that Apple is promising that iOS gear becomes a better business partner with stronger security, more productivity features, better data and device management tools for the enterprise. And this is something where Apple is just enhancing the things they have now. Yeah, and I think this is going to excite a lot of IT managers because now with iOS 8, you will be able to set up a device before you even take it out of the box. I know it's been a huge headache for them in the past. As someone who's an Apple TV enthusiast and writes about Apple TV, one enterprise feature that kind of got buried, and presumably this will be open for everyone, is that AirPlay will no longer require a router connection. So you'll be able to do peer-to-peer AirPlay. So like somebody could come over to your house and play something through the Apple TV without first connecting to your router, which um, that's pretty exciting. That opens up a lot of possibilities. So I'll be excited to play with that feature. It looks like a lot of really fascinating stuff is going on there. The other thing, of course, is things like content filtering and device management. Device management means, of course, that they set up a new iOS device for your company. The more control they have in setting it up, and the ease with which it's set up makes the company more apt to want to use iOS. Yeah, I, mean, I think this is uh, great stuff for IT departments everywhere. Hope, hopefully some of this stuff will move over to the Mac and uh, make the Mac a little more um, enterprise-friendly. Now, are we seeing here with this new Photos app the end of iPhoto? Photos seems like iPhoto on steroids with direct integration, of course, to your iCloud photo library. But easier management of your photos, easier editing, adding filters and stuff. And it sounds to me like this is mostly, other than the iCloud integration, stuff that you already sort of can do with iPhoto. And Apple is going to add photos for OS X Yosemite early next year. So again, does this mean iPhoto is gone? I sure hope so, because <laughs> I, I hate iPhoto with, with a passion. It's, it's so slow. It's so out of date. And managing photos has become a real pain because, you know, with the iPhone, we take so many photos now, and, and they're just hard to manage. Uh, you know, they, they fill up our devices. 
Um, it's it's hard to keep them in sync. The possibility of um, uh, you know keeping everything in the cloud and be able to access it from one place is very exciting. And hopefully, this new Photos app for the Mac is uh, fast and speedy and modern and provides a lot of these um, a lot of the same capabilities as iPhoto with a cleaner interface. So yeah, I'm I'm very excited for that. So we'll have to see the direction of iPhoto. Of course, it's not unusual for Apple to take older apps and totally overhaul them or just replace them. Apple's not married to its older stuff. Yeah, and thankfully, right? <laughs> I also find it's more interesting here that camera itself, the camera app on iOS 8, gives you some way to do quick changes to your photos before you upload them to Facebook or to YouTube or something. Yeah, well, and they're also adding, um, you know, extensibility features around the cameras app so that um, developers will be able to access that stuff directly. So we should we should see a lot of exciting new stuff, um, photography wise, uh, in uh, iOS eight. So, and I can imagine here it might be possible to add more photo editing features in camera. So the second you take the photo. You sit there, you make loads of changes before you upload it. You don't have to then load it in another app. Yeah, true. And and there's a lot of stuff they've added, like, um, you know, they've added the, the auto features and, and all that and, you know, and some other things they're working on. So, um, you know, yeah, it's uh, it's going to be great for photographers. And it's going to be great, you know, to be able to, um, you know, when they finally get this Mac app out, to be able to edit your, your photos and have those edits sync alongside you know, just all the originals. Um, so yeah, it's it, it's going to be a, a whole new deal with uh, with photography here pretty soon. Now, just as an example here of messaging, we have WhatsApp, which Facebook bought for nineteen billion dollars. I can't figure out where they came up with that price, but let's take a look at WhatsApp. What does WhatsApp do in messaging that normal messaging apps do not do? Uh, that's a good question. I don't. I don't use WhatsApp myself. Um, I, I guess the big thing is it's cross-platform, right? Like, it doesn't matter if you're on Android or, or iOS or or whatever. You can, you know, everyone can use WhatsApp. Well, the argument they pose here is that it allows you to exchange messages without having to pay for SMS. But I think nowadays most of the wireless carrier plans give you free. SMS. They don't charge for it anymore. You have these bundles where basically you pay extra for data, but it's unlimited minutes, unlimited messages. So WhatsApp Messenger, which is available for iPhone, BlackBerry, Android, Windows Phone, and Nokia, they all allow you to have some intercommunication. So it's basically messaging for all the platforms, which I understand, but Apple's answer is to allow SMS everywhere. So you can use SMS, which, as I said, you, with most carriers, don't have to pay extra for it. You can use SMS on your Mac. It'll relay from your iPhone. So don't you think by adding these capabilities and integration, iOS users would not be as inclined to consider on WhatsApp? Yeah. and Well, you know, one of the cool things with uh, in iOS 8 is um, these new group messaging features, which, you know, group messaging for... Um, a while has been just just a mess and kind of a nightmare in iOS because if you you message two or three friends, you might be signing yourself up for for a conversation that never ends. Well, now you can you can mute that, you can um, kick people off the conversation. It, it, it turns iMessage into more of a chat room. Um, so, 
uh, and, and plus you can name conversations, you can share locations. Um, you know, I, I you know I could see this replacing Glassboard for the Tidbits crew at at MacWorld. Um, you know, because we used a combination of Glassboard and Find My Friends to to you know organize everything. Well, now we can just you know share locations in the same thread and um, don't have to use a third party app. So I'm I'm pretty excited about um, the new features. I'm kind of confused now. Okay. Multitasking, you multitask under iOS seven right now. And you double tap the home button and you get a listing of your running apps. So now, in addition to that, on top of it, you'll see a list of your contacts and your recent contacts. Mm-hmm. So they're basically filling out the top of the screen. Yeah. And, uh, well, it's interesting because that was one of the big features in um, Launch Center Pro um, was that you could, you know, have linked actions to uh, certain contacts. Uh, you know, so you could like send a message to your wife with a couple clicks. So I, that's sort of Apple's way of integrating that into the OS. And uh, yeah, you know, it's it's a nice thing. Um, I don't I don't know how much I'll use it because you know, typically if I'm going to send a message, I will just go to um, messages. But um, you, you know, I, th- I think anything that makes things faster is is always a good thing. Now, the impression I get here is that Apple regards messaging. Social communication is extremely important, which is why you have this enhanced integration, why you have continuity and the ability to hand off messages from one gadget to another. They want to allow you to do more things. Now, someone like me, I only use messages as something on the side to get a quick piece of information to somebody, other than, for example, email, instant communication. Well, Okay, to the landlord, come here and fix the air conditioner. So I send him an SMS message, and he responds, I'll be there Monday. So that's a quick way. He doesn't want to be bothered with a phone call because he owns lots of properties. He'd rather get a message. But I don't get into all these group chats and stuff. But obviously, a lot of people do, and Apple must feel it's important. Yeah, well, I mean... uh you know, messages. Uh, I think for most iOS users, is their primary means of communication. You know, that's that's how I, I talk to my wife um, primarily. That's how uh, Adam and I talk uh, most of the time. Um, so uh, yeah, I mean, I, I I think if you're if you're an Apple person, uh, you know, iMessage is kind of your your gateway to uh, you know communication. At least it is for me. We'll get into more discussion coming up. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. So here's what happened. I was placing an order online. The site went down. It took hours before it returned, but I'd already placed the order with another company. If your site goes down, you could lose business. And if you have a business or personal site, you'll want to know it's easy to run and it will stay online. At iWeb, your site is hosted on one of the most reliable networks in the world. Talk to a sales rep at iWeb.com. Use the promo code TECHNIGHTOWL for a special discount. 
Have you ever felt like the United States government knows way too much about your financial affairs? I continue to hear stories about property seizures, frozen bank accounts, confiscation of stocks and bonds. It makes me wonder if the U.S. citizen will ever again have the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Unfortunately, with the Drug and Money Laundering Act, the IRS Revenue Ruling 6045 of 1984, and the Trading with the Enemy Act and Franklin D. Roosevelt's Executive Order of 1933, some precious metal holdings are subject to government intervention. For this reason, Midas Resources has prepared a report explaining the boundaries of trading precious metals privately. Whether if you have any intention of trading with Midas Resources or not, I have instructed my representatives to give this report out free. Call for your free copy at 1-800-686-2237. When investing, always proceed with caution. Again, call 1-800-686-2237. Exercise your legal right to trade metals privately. 1-800-686-2237. Americans have always been ready to defend, to serve, and to honor those who defended and are defending all of us. So this month, the freeze-dry guy honors and serves Americans with our meat, rice, and potato sale. Our unit includes four number 10 cans of quality Mountain House cooked diced beef, ground beef, diced chicken, white rice, and two cans of FDG dehydrated diced potatoes. 158 servings per case unit. And during the freeze-dry guy's meat, rice, and potato sale, get one case for only one two cases for only $3.55, or get three cases for only $5.15, and all come with lots of valuable freebies. For details, click freezedryguy.com and hurry. Sale ends soon. Go to freezedryguy.com or call 866-404-3663. That's 866-404-FOOD. Plus, free shipping to the lower 48 states from the freeze-dry guy. The finest freeze-dried and dehydrated foods available anywhere for long-term storage. The human body is extraordinary. Despite all the stresses we inflict upon it, it still works hard to stay in balance. Thousands upon thousands of people rely upon heart and body extract to help their body stay balanced. This excellent 100% natural herbal formula helps maintain healthy blood pressure levels, cleans arteries, promotes good circulation, balances cholesterol, and more. HB extract paired with healthy lifestyle choices like good nutrition and exercise can give you a life free of pain, sickness, and fear. Recapture your youthful vitality and experience your body healing itself with the aid of HB extract. It's extremely effective and it starts working in just days. Visit hbextract.com to learn more and to read scores of testimonials from satisfied customers. And we've never increased our price in over 10 years. That makes heart and body extract as great a value now as it was the first day we sold it. A healthy heart is a happy heart. Call 866-295-5305 or go to hbextract.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, please send it to news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. If you'd like to discuss today's show with fellow Night Owls, visit our community forums at forum.technightowl.com. That's forum.technightowl.com. Three more segments with Josh Centers of Tidbits and Take Control Books. He is heavily involved in basically instant messaging. And I know I spent a day once at CNET when I used to be a writer for them. This is back in early 2000s. And I remember visiting them the day they introduced the public beta of OS X. And I was going to get a copy. I was going to meet an Apple rep. 
And I sat down at one of their computers to keep track of my email, and I noticed everybody had some kind of instant messaging going on. So you had inter-office communications that way. So I understand it, okay? I understand that. Let's look at OS X Yosemite. Now, the new interface, the first time one of my friends looked at the screen said, yuck, they're making it look like iOS. And I pointed out to the person, listen, it's no big deal to change the font, change the artwork, add different special effects, but a Mac is still a Mac. That has not changed. No, I mean, you know, I think a lot of people are expecting a bigger change than what we actually got. You know, for instance, uh, one of the things people were fretting about was, you know, how would you tell Windows apart without drop shadows? But, you know, the, those shadows are still there. Um, so it's, it's you know, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, it's unifying the look with the iOS 7 style, but it's still very much uh, Mac OS X. And the key is here, Apple recognizes that people use more than one gadget. They want you to buy the iPhone, the iPad, and also the Mac, and the ability to adapt from one to the other as easily as possible is very important to them because Apple still envisions separate apps. With Microsoft, they want to just combine tablets and laptops. But Apple is recognizing they're separate, but we need to move from one to the other as easily as possible. And there's a lot of complicated stuff going on with continuity and handoff and all this. So we have to hope that Apple will smooth it, that there won't be the early releases of iOS 8 and Yosemite and things go awry because it depends on networking. It depends on iCloud and everything has to be seamless. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, it's... um. It's something they're still figuring out, right? You know, everyone's still figuring out. You know, and like Microsoft took the approach of, you know, we'll we'll, we'll put Windows everywhere. We'll make everything the same, and and so far that hasn't really worked great for them. And you know, and Apple's trying the approach of, hey, if you use all of our products, you know, if you're if you're a loyal Apple customer, then your life's going to get a lot easier. And I think that's probably going to work out a lot better. Although, you know, I mean, you know, everyone's still figuring this stuff out, right? You know. Um, uh, you know, just just how things are going to work in this post PC world. You know how we're going to get work done and all that. But I, I think Apple's moving in the right direction. You know, and it's uh, it's a great incentive if you own an iPhone, an iPad. You know, you know why not have a Mac? You know that, that'll just take out that much more friction. It's like they're rewarding you for for you know having the entire collection. All right. <laughs> They still work separately if it must be, but a lot of features require you having all of their devices. Very important because they have a host segment over an Apple site where they talk about Yosemite and it's called Mac plus iOS subtitled connected like never before, especially things like phone calls. Now, understand here, this system allows you to basically use your Mac as a speakerphone. But if you're in a situation like me where I have a separate input device, an analog mixer hooked in, so I have my microphone, that's off under normal circumstances. So I don't have a standard input device. Maybe Apple ought to, because they have so many professional in movies and audio using Macs with outboard equipment, maybe have an option here that if you receive a phone call, it defaults to your internal mic. Hmm. Ah. Yeah, yeah, it's an interesting thought. I, I'll be curious to play uh, with these uh, these new features and, and see what all they can do. You know, I, I'm curious. Um, I'm curious to find out um, 
if any of this stuff will be exposed to developers. There's an item here under okay. handoff. App developers can easily build handoff into their apps. Yeah, they, they can use handoff. I'm curious about um, about the phone linking features. Like, for instance, um, there was a uh, there's an app sailing something a long time ago that, you know, if you got a phone call on a Bluetooth phone, it would pause your iTunes music. You know, I wonder if uh, the the feature, you know, the, if you get a phone call on your Mac, if it'll pause iTunes for you automatically. Um, you know, it's a lot of questions there. And it's uh, I'll, I'll be curious to see what developers will be able to do with, with all these new capabilities. Well, as I said, if you can change your input when you get the phone call and take it, that could be something that could be done with a third-party app. But again, it has to be something where the support is there in the operating system. And we don't know. Apple has made huge numbers of changes in their development tools. You have, for example, this new programming language called Swift. Now, I saw some technical stuff about it. Even one of the creators has posted information And it appears to be something where, if I understand Swift correctly, you're able to do things a little bit easier. So new programmers can get started faster. Yeah, um, basically Swift will be uh, less like Objective-C, which is always sort of obtuse. And it'll look more like um, a scripting language like Python or Perl or Ruby, which have been popular with beginning programmers. Um, You know, I've... I've, um, twiddled around with all of them um and, and not only that but you're going to have this feature in xcode which is really cool it's called playgrounds and you'll be able, and you'll be able to see um, a preview of what your code does at, on the right of the screen as you're typing it um you know one of the examples they showed was um on stage was an equation being graphed uh you know in the playground and you know i've been playing around with it myself and you know um you know if you assign a variable to you know four plus four then you know you'll you know you'll see eight in the preview so is this um, a way of seeing the program as it's being developed how it functions yes yes oh, and there's a, oh. yeah and somebody actually um they already ported uh flappy bird to swift and that's up on github and if you load it up in the playground, you can actually play uh, Flappy Bird in, in the in that preview. So yeah, it's very cool. It reminds me a lot of some of these um, educational tools I've seen for for development. So I, I see two really cool things coming out of this. A, it's going to make it a lot easier to teach kids how to code. You know, they're they're going to get them young, right? Uh, Apple is. And then also, it, it makes it easier for developers to, uh, you know, test their stuff as they're building it. You know, they'll actually be able to see what the output's going to be without having to compile the program and crossing their fingers. Um, so we should see, you know, less bugs and code. We should see a lot more developers coming into the App Store. You know, as a non-programmer myself, I'm I'm pretty excited to learn Swift and uh, and try out some of this stuff and take a stab at making a few apps. Well, you know what? We'll have to look at those and see if you become an app millionaire. But one thing might have a Machiavellian twist here, which is if Apple gets everybody using Swift, getting used to a very easy environment, they're not going to look into cross-platform solutions and therefore may not be as apt to bring their apps into Android or maybe Windows Phone or something. Interesting theory. We have more to come with Josh Centers of Tidbits. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. We 
are the premier independent talk radio network. The Genesis Communications Network. G-C-N. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that too in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs convert from so many formats, I can't even list them. Download now to see if Graphic Converter is good for you, like one and a half million other users. Guess what? You could save money when you buy Graphic Converter. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL to get a special price for Graphic Converter. Go to LemkeSoft.com. That's L-E-M-K-E Soft.com. LemkeSoft.com. L-E-M-K-E Soft.com. This alert just came in. This special announcement is for business owners and leaders of organizations who've been waiting for the right time to build. General Steel has made it impossible to wait any longer with rock-bottom prices that could save you thousands. That's right. General Steel, America's leader in pre-engineered structures, is offering buildings at prices you will never see again. Don't miss these prices. A 50 by 100 for $35,000. You heard right. That's 5,000 square feet for $35,000. Manufacturers, if you need a larger building, try a 100 by 100 commercial building for $129,000. You can't afford to rent with these prices. Imagine a 70 by 100 foot church building for under $69,000. With the economy improving and interest rates still at historic lows, you can't afford to wait. So call 866-91-STEEL. Lock in your price now. Call 866-91-STEEL. That's 866-917-8335. For over five years, you've been hearing about the Berkey guy. So you may know a few things about him. For example, you are well aware of the superior quality and effectiveness of Berkey water filters and accessories. But did you know the Berkeys have had independent lab tests done to prove just how effective they are? It's true, and he can email you the test results. Just visit GoBerkey.com. You may also know that the Berkey guy has helped tens of thousands of people get better prepared. Now here's something you may not know. GoBerkey.com has amazing specials and deals all the time on a wide variety of survival and preparedness products, most ready to ship same day. Visit the Berkey guy at GoBerkey.com and be sure to click the red Products on Sale Now button. You can always call toll-free 877-886-3653. Again, that's 877-886-3653. GoBerkey.com, home of the Berkey guy. Springtime is save big time at Herbal Healer Academy. Long-term customers know spring is the time to stock up at HerbalHealer.com. And for new customers, welcome to the web's best place to save on vitamins, minerals, and more. Log on for spring specials, including our 500 parts per million colloidal silver, all sizes on sale. Choose from Herbal Healer's great variety of weight loss products like apple cider vinegar, Hootia and Metabolic Complex, and ProMetabolic, all on sale now. Also, the Anti-Parasite Intestinal Freedom and Warwood Plus Complex, plus Stevia Liquid Sweetener and the Super Enzymes, all on sale for spring at HerbalHealer.com. As always, we offer certificate correspondence courses in natural medicine. Enjoy same-day shipping and free online newsletter. 
Log on now to HerbalHealer.com and click on Spring Specials to save big with our nation's leader in supplying quality natural medicine and education since 1988, Herbal Healer Academy. You're listening to the Tech Night Owl Live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next. We have Josh Centers of Tidbits and Take Control Books. What do you think about my crazy theory here is that by offering Swift an easier development tool, it brings more developers into the iOS and OS X ecosystem, and they are less inclined to go cross-platform. Oh, I, I think that's exactly what Apple's thinking, you know, but you know, I, I don't think it has to be a nefarious uh, conspiracy theory. It's just the fact that they're, they're providing a better experience for developers, and so they're hoping to bring more in and, and get more people coding for iOS. I also see potential for Swift to become a, um, a server-side language because uh, my understanding is you can use this, you know, like Python or Perl to create um, web apps, you know, at, at least in theory. You could even theoretically use this as a replacement for Apple Script. And so, you know, as someone who's um, just a very casual coder, the idea that you can just learn one language and be able to, you know, do system automation, to do server-side programming, and to create, you know, desktop and mobile apps. That's a that's a pretty appealing sales pitch. Uh, they can make that happen. Then I think that make a lot of people, uh, a lot of developers, loyal to Apple. You know, just because then you know you just have to learn the one language. You don't have to learn you know twelve different languages to get your job done. Okay, server-side. Does that mean it doesn't require an OS ten server, but could work on a Linux server? Uh, n- no, uh, at least as far as I know, because they haven't said anything about open sourcing it. But I mean, you could, you know, on a Mac or an OS X server, you could, as I understand it, you know, use Swift to develop a server side um, application of some kind and, you know, build web web apps in Swift. Um, of course, that's, that's a bit pie in the sky. The question is going to be, you know, what kind of... Um, third-party APIs and tools come out for Swift, um, you, you know, because, you know, no one wants to code this stuff from the ground up, you know. Um, so we'll have to see what kind of frameworks uh, come out for developers to play with in Swift. But it, it does have that possibility because you can use Swift um, both as an interpreted, uh, like a scripting language, and as a compiled language. So um, that, that opens a lot of interesting possibilities. Well, I'm going to be interested in hearing from our listeners. If you are a budding developer or you are an existing developer, let me know. Do you find Swift to be an easier environment to learn? Very interesting where it goes. And I wonder whether Apple's eating their old dog food there. Are any elements of iOS or OS X being developed in Swift? I'm not sure. I do know at least parts of the WWDC app have been rewritten in Swift, and they updated the app the other day to you know bring in those uh, Swift-enabled portions. Apparently, they are indeed dogfooding this. They're starting to port things internally to Swift. Um, of course, it's still a young language; it's still in development. Um, so, I, I think the idea is to give it to developers and try it internally and see um, what all they can do. You know, the cool thing about Swift is that you can use it in place with Objective C code. So, if you want to start porting your existing code to Swift, you can do that just a section at a time. You don't um, have to replace everything. You can do no. it piecemeal. And that means that your existing stuff will still run. And once you have a compiled app, 
it's not restricted to iOS 8 or Yosemite, is it? Uh, no, I think it works in Iowa. I think uh, Swift compi- can compile for iOS 7 and Mavericks. So anything p- past that, I don't think it does. Um, so, you know, for that reason, it may be a while before um, Swift is widely adopted, um, especially on the Mac front. But, um, you, you know, we'll see. I, I think Swift is definitely the future. It's definitely the things that are going to go. Um, but, again, we have that social element that's, uh, that's a bit of a question mark. Okay, that's the development tools. I'm not going to get into more of it because I realize when we start talking about development and programming languages, some of our listeners, their eyes glaze over. (laughs) I don't want to know about this. Well, you know, if it means that you get new apps that run faster, that are more free of bugs, it's very important what's going on behind the scenes. I think a lot of non-coders are excited for Swift too because it it's an e- it looks like an easier way to get into into development. And I, I think a lot more people, a lot of people out there, wish they could develop their own apps. They're just not sure how, and and this makes it just that much easier. So it's a, it's a very exciting time to be on on Apple's platforms. Now there's some things here that are just basically visual, like the dock. The dock had this 3D aspect for a number of years, and now it goes back to something that looks like the original dock, except the trash is redesigned. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not a big fan of the new trash can, but I, I do like the, uh, the lack of the 3D look in the dock. That was starting to get a little stale. I, I, think, uh, I think in OS X Yosemite, I think the biggest shock for most Mac users is going to be Helvetica Noir being the the new system font because that you know in all the changes in OS 10 that's the one thing that's always stayed consistent and now that's changing and 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 from I've heard from people who are currently beta testing it that it, it is kind of jarring because you're so used to the menu bar looking a certain way. Listen, the original font was Chicago. Do you yeah. remember from Mac OS and we went to OS 10 and we had Lucinda Grand? So what? It's just a font. Well, yeah, I don't make a jarring. big deal of it. <laughs> yeah. True. I, I don't. I don't think people are going to be, you know, protesting in the streets. But you know, it's it's going to take a little getting used to. And that's okay. I, I I think Helvetica looks uh, great for the system font, and it's been a long time coming. And and now finally, you know, iOS and OS ten seem to share a similar visual language. So um, so yeah, I'm I'm I'm, I'm super excited for Yosemite. I, I can't wait to uh, install it on my main work machine. Just compare Yosemite with Mavericks. Mavericks had a lot of under-the-hood changes, supposedly to use memory more efficiently so that computers with less memory, say a MacBook Air, could run better. Also the fact that battery life was better. So Apple did things there that were under the hood, and the external features weren't so drastic. But this time out, I realized that the back-end changes are incredible, a lot of the visual stuff is different. There's a promise that mail will be more efficient. Before we get to the new features, one of the things about OS X Mavericks is that Apple's mail app got dinged big time, especially at the beginning for problems with Gmail. A lot of that has been fixed, but you have to look at it now and say, well, now Apple is promising it's going to be faster, it's going to be more reliable, and you'll have this markup feature. And we should explain to listeners what this means. So say you get a PDF document, okay? And it's a contract. So what if you have to sign the contract and send it back to the recipient? Now, what do you do? You open up and preview. Maybe you have to print it, or maybe you can enter your signature interactively. 
But now within the email, not leaving the app, you could mark it up, you can add text annotations, you can sign the contract. They don't have to fax it to you anymore. Yeah, and uh, you know, I don't use mail, but I may have to start using it in, Yos- in Yosemite uh, for that feature and also for, um, for handoff because now you'll be able to uh, seamlessly switch from uh, the iOS mail app to the OS X mail app. And so that's actually um, some reason to use it. Um, as far as uh, all the problems that Mavericks Mail had, well, hopefully, because Apple is making Yosemite a public beta, hopefully they'll catch a lot more of that um, up front. I won't be caught flat-footed. Well, it'll be interesting to see how all this works out. The other thing that they're doing, by the way, particularly with iOS 8, is to enhance the gaming tools, the gaming programming features, to get more powerful games going. Yeah, they announced um, a Metal, which is a, a way for developers to access uh, more of the hardware directly, which should... Um, Take out some of that middle layer that OpenGL uh, provided. Uh, essentially, Metal to me seems a lot like the DirectX framework that Microsoft has provided for years for uh, Windows and the Xbox. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what developers do with that. And also, um, there's something they're adding called um, I think it's called controller forwarding. And this is interesting. You'll be able to use a um, an iPhone that has a controller case. You'll be able to use that. Um, that whole unit as a controller for an iPad or a Mac. So um, the iPhone in that case will be acting kind of like um, the Wii U's controller where you have a touch screen and the buttons. Um, Let's explain this in our next segment. Okay. Josh Sanders is with us. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. largest independently owned communications network, GCN. Neighbors, are you tired of dealing with a slow web hosting provider? Well, check out A2 Hosting and their screaming fast Swift server platform. They even have SSDs that load pages 300% faster than the competition. Ready to give your site a speed boost? Well, Tell you what, neighbors, head on over to a2hosting.com. That's A2, that's number two, a2hosting.com. Check out their Prime Hosting account. And get this, neighbors, they're even giving you an exclusive 25% off discount for all our listeners. 25%. And remember, their Guru Crew support team is standing by 24 7 365 days a year to answer any of your questions. Now, to get the discount, use the coupon code GENE when you check out. We live in a complicated society. Stressful issues are always popping up. Have you ever been treated unfairly by someone? Have you ever been overcharged for a repair? Have you ever signed a contract or a document? Worried about identity theft? How many times have you been in those unique situations where you just wanted to call an attorney to find out if you're right or wrong or what your legal rights are? But every time you think about calling an attorney, what do you think about first? That's right. Who do you call and how much will it cost? Our friends at Legal Shield have found a solution. 
With a nationwide network of 6,900 attorneys who average over 19 years of experience, Legal Shields law firms take over 40,000 calls per week helping their members. For less than $20 per month, you can have access to Legal Shield on everything from the trivial to the traumatic. Let Legal Shield stand up for your rights at lsprotection.com. That's lsprotection.com. Or call 855-340-SAVE. 855-340-7283. Results will vary from case to case. At 30dayfoodsupply.com, you can now purchase a -a one-of-a-kind product not available anywhere else. A meatless burger dry mix in four delicious flavors. With our new Oregon Trail Foods vegan burgers, all you do is add water and fry. They need no refrigeration. They're packaged in Mylar bags with an oxygen absorber for a long shelf life. They're non-GMO. They're gluten, soy, nut, and chemical-free, but they're loaded with flavor. And a good source of carbs and protein, yet low in sodium. Flavors include Italian, spicy Mexican, six vegetable and black bean olive go to 30dayfoodsupply.com or call 541-229-0010 and order today eat them every day take them camping or save them for an emergency check them out at 30dayfoodsupply.com and click on the vegan burger icon that's 30dayfoodsupply.com where all of our products are produced in oregon by oregon trail foods 30dayfoodsupply.com You have all seen and heard about the elements of the periodic table. These elements are the building blocks of everything in the universe. You, my friends, are made from these elements. A shortage of any of these important trace elements can lead to disease. Go with the science and take the Lady Talk Health Challenge and get all 90 essential trace elements with a healthy start pack at LadyTalkLive.com or call 855-333-LADY. That's 855-333-5239. Research shows it's not just what you put in your body that counts, it's what you put on it as well. Why not use an all-natural, healthy, mineral-based makeup that actually benefits your skin? Once you experience the airiness and flawless coverage of Longevity Mineral Makeup, you will never use anything else. With Longevity, the perception of your complexion will be natural perfection. Animal-friendly mineral makeup at Mary Lou Health. That's M-A-R-I-L-U-Health.com. Or call 855-321-HEALTH. You're listening to the Tech Night Owl live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next. Okay, so explain this enhanced ability to give functions to game controllers and to make your iPhone act as a controller for your other Apple devices. Okay, so they're going to have a feature called uh, controller forwarding. And um, in iOS 7, they introduced the ability to use um, third-party game controllers, you know, made for iPhone with uh, iPhones and iPads and even Macs. Well, now they're going to add the ability to, if you have an iPhone in a controller case, you know, they made those um, those weird-looking cases. Uh, you can put your iPhone in and it has uh, video game controls on each side. You'll be able to use that whole unit as a controller for an iPad or a Mac, and you'll be able to use the buttons and the iPhone's touchscreen to control a game on your Mac or iPad. So it'll be it'll be very similar to the um, the Wii U, which has a game controller that's also a tablet and has those controls in there. So um, 
you know, I'll be curious to see if developers actually do anything with that because there's a lot of ifs, right? Like at first it's like, well, if you have an iPhone and if you have an iPad or a Mac and if you have the controller case for your iPhone. So I can't see it taking off, but, but it is an interesting idea. It's, it opens some interesting possibilities. Now, among the other features shown in iOS 8, of course, is the HomeKit. And what this merely means is that you could use your iPhone to activate devices around your home that, of course, are part of this Internet of Things scheme. So, for example, in theory, once the devices and apps are out there, I could leave my house, tap something on my iPhone, the alarm is set, the door is locked, the thermostat on my air conditioner is turned higher so it's not using so much of the air conditioner. So the temperature is a couple of degrees higher. I'm not wasting electric power. I come back, I open the door, the air conditioner turns down the temperature. The TV goes on maybe, or maybe the lights come on, that kind of thing. Or, for example, the toaster oven starts because it's warming up my dinner. This is a potential here, isn't it? Yeah, and it's funny you said because Phillips just posted something on Twitter a, a preview of how you can control their hue lights from Notification Center. For those of you who don't know, uh, Philips makes these lights. They sell in the Apple stores called the Hue, and they're, they're Wi-Fi-enabled uh, LED lights, and you can change the colors on them. And all. And they're very expensive. Yes, they're very expensive. Like five of them cost 200 bucks. So on Twitter, they're showing off where you can pull up Notification Center and have a Hue widget that lets you um, turn them all off, or you can turn them, put them in a sunset mode or deep sea mode, or something called Kathy. I'm not quite sure what that is. So uh, that's a, that's an interesting prospect. Also, HomeKit will tie into Siri, so you'll be able to say, "Siri, open the door," and then she'll say, you know, "She'll start playing the doors on your phone because she doesn't understand you." But no, um, it, it, but you know, it, it will be interesting. You know, you'll be able to say, at least hypothetically, you know, Siri, turn on the living room light, and and it will be able to do that. So what they do with that, um, you know, there's so many things that that's that keynote that it's really up for up to developers to take full advantage of. So um, you know, I'll be curious to see, uh, you know, where this goes and where this leads. Now, when Google bought Nest, it was suggested Apple should have done that, but Apple spent almost the same amount of money buying Beats Electronics, and I'm not going to get into that. We've beaten that to death. Forgive <laughs> the pun. Ba boom. But okay. So what's different is Apple's not buying Honeywell for thermostats or Philips for lights or any of these other companies. They're saying, here is our integration software. Here is our integration API. Now you take your expertise at building all this hardware for one's home and you integrate with us and you use your iPhone or your iPad to control it. They're letting the third parties show their expertise. They don't have to buy or favor any company, they're just saying, "Look, adopt our standards and go with it." Mm-hmm. Well, you'll, you'll notice in that list of partners they showed, uh, they didn't have Nest up there, and they never <laughs> will. <laughs> but on the other hand, Tony Fidel just got a huge payday. Does he care? No, <laughs> I don't think he cares. But but it's just, it's the, you know it's just a funny thing. But interesting that Apple has a much wider focus here. They're not thinking of buying one company. They're thinking of making it available for lots of companies to get involved. And those who want to compete with the thermostat line with Nest, now they have better options. Yeah, and um, 
Yeah, this is going to open up a lot of interesting possibilities. You know, actually, we were just talking on the on the tidbits list about you know how much more interesting those hue lights are now. You know, when they first came out, I'm like, I'm not spending 200 bucks on light bulbs, but you know, now that I, you know, I would be able to um, you know adjust those directly from notifications through my iPhone or from Siri. Yeah, suddenly they're more interesting. Um, so you know, we'll have to see how that evolves. It it also opens up interesting possibilities for wearables. You know, because imagine if uh, your iWatch could tell when you're you know getting out of bed in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom and could turn the bathroom light on for you. Well, you see, that's it right there. There are some who suggest that although Apple said nothing about an iWatch, and I was expecting they would have an API or something, instead. They introduced something which could be used for an iWatch, the health kit, the home kit. Health kit especially because it monitors your health and fitness. It will interact with hospital systems. It's interacting with, obviously, the Mayo Clinic. So it's the point being here is that the natural evolution into a wearable device from Apple is already on display. Yeah, they've opened up a lot of possibilities for developers, and they've op- you know you know one of the things on the wearables front I think is interesting is you know what happens if you merge health kit and home kit you know <laughs> what what if uh, you know certain signals from your body could you know do things in your house you know and and, and that starts opening up a lot of interesting uh, you know sci-fi sort of possibilities. Well, I can see here it doesn't have to merge; it just uses the APIs from both. Yeah, but you know, I assume that's concept. possible that when you build an app that supports HealthKit, you're not locked into not including something from HomeKit. Or are you? I, I wouldn't think so. Presumably you can use them all together, so that could that could be pretty interesting. Like, you could set, you could set a, you know, your your uh, living room light to be uh to dim and brighten in connection with your pulse or <laughs> that's kind of a weird example, but yeah, I'm sure there's a lot of interesting things you can do with it. Now, bear with me here. Maybe I'm just making some assumptions that won't quite be borne out in the real world, but this seems sensible. So I assume then, for example, if something goes awry with your pulse, your doctor's called right away, especially if he works with the Mayo Clinic. Yeah, yeah. Or, or, or you know, you get mood lighting depending on, you know, what your, your current blood pressure and mood is. Oh, boy. The possibilities are endless, but it's very important here about... Apple's openness and all this stuff, all these extra APIs for third-party developers to do things. 4,000 APIs for iOS 8, meaning lots of tools for developers to build new apps, new monitoring systems, new control systems, you know, a new programming language to make it easier for them to build those things. Obviously, Apple has a long-range plan in mind, and when it involves all the third parties and they get engaged, especially if there are profit possibilities, which obviously there are, it means more people will come to iOS and OS X Yosemite. Okay, Josh Centers, please tell our listeners where they can find more of the things that you do. Okay, you can find me at tidbits.com, joshcenters.com, and also takecontrolbooks.com, where you can uh, get my book, Take Control of Apple TV. And when the next Apple TV is out, whenever that is, Josh will be back. You can find us on Twitter. We're known as Tech Night Owl. Our Twitter ID is at Tech Night Owl. Our main web portal is over at TechNightOwl.com. That's TechNightOwl.com. And by the way, neighbors, we have another radio show. It's all about UFOs and things that go bump in the night. 
And this weekend, we're featuring Ted Rowe. He's executive director of the National Aviation Reporting Center on anomalous phenomena known as NARCAP. And they explore unusual sightings. They don't call them UFOs. They call them unidentified aerial phenomena. This is a guy who takes a very scientific approach to weird things happening in the sky. Go check it out at Paracast.com. That's Paracast.com. Josh Centers, thank you for joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. Thanks for having me, Gene. The Tech Night Out Live is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. We'll be back next week. Same bat time, same bat channel.